0: Hey guys, Christian here with a quick note up top. Um, we have a great show this week. Max Scoville is our guest. It's fun and it's exciting. Max, unfortunately, was having some internet problems and some mic problems and I don't know. I don't know what happened. We had some connections issues with uh, Max side of things and you might hear he switches mics partway through the episode and then he has to go back to real work towards the end of the episode. But there's a lot of really good stuff in there, but if you hear some sound stuff or if Max's voice sounds to change or there's maybe a little, you're like, hey, was that an edit point? They don't, usually don't do that. What happened is if you listen to the live stream, we just had some problems with Max's mic and connection issues coming from that side of things, but I think I worked hard to make this edit smooth for you guys on the RSS and listening to us on iTunes, hopefully it sounds as good as possible in your ear holes. I appreciate you listening, but I wanted to let you know up top If you hear something, that's likely what it is. Anyway, it's a fun episode. Here you go.
1: It's finally here, the biggest month in video games. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks out there, using DLC to power you through a workout or a run. We're in your ear holes. We're going to help you through. For a, This is going to be a, a jam-packed episode. I would say 90-plus minutes, but my goodness, there's more bonus content at the end of this episode. We have an awesome guest, and we're powering up the E3 hype train because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, completely free. And that's thanks to our sponsors this week, Squarespace, Squarespace, and Linode. They made that possible, bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games in their many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis, the guy who has been helping me lay the tracks of the hype train all year, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Are you ready to pull the hype train into the station?
0: I I am two quick things. One, this is the last time I'll plug it. Marriage is. You can find it at my website, christianspicer.com. Only plugging it again because people seem to enjoy it that found it last week. Two, all week, Mr. Kanata, I've been trying to get Estelle, my oldest, to give us a new choo-choo. She's the original inspiration of the E3 hype train.
1: Choo-choo. just haven't been able to match her demands on the contract?
0: So I asked her, I go, Estelle, will you say E3 hype train, choo-choo? And she goes, no, dad. That seems dumb.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, uh, from the mouths of babes, I guess.
0: What a difference a year makes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Very excited. We're going to fire that up. We got lots to talk about. There's tons of late breaking news that's hitting. Uh, We got some amazing games to play. I played all the way through Edge of Nowhere. Uh, We're going to be talking uh, Mirror's Edge and Doom and all kinds of great stuff. So let us not delay any further. We do have an awesome guest. This is a guest I've been trying to get on the show for a while now. Uh, and you know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week we're excited because DLC stands for Depress the Laughter Contraption. Because from the Comedy Button and IGN, we are so pleased to welcome Max Scoville to the show this week. Um, so we, uh, we will get you excited for the for the E3 hype train. But we have to start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story the of- Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. Tons of late-breaking stuff, as I said. It it feels like E3 has just spilled over into the week before, and we're already in it. Uh, There are announcements, there are leaks, there are uh, all kinds of E3-related stories and big games that we're already hearing about. Uh, I'm, I'm excited, man. This is my favorite couple of weeks of the year, so... Uh, Let's get right into it. Max, you are our guest, so uh, you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week?
2: That is a very tough question because it is the week before E3, and there are a lot of half stories, I think. (laughs) That's true. Uh, I'm going to say the best one that I'm I'm into is this this new Agents of Mayhem game, which is sort of like a Saints Row spin-off. Yeah. Did you guys catch that? That was a that was a first thing this morning announcement. I was an IGN first even. Oh,
1: look at you with the cross promoing. Nice.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a big I'm a big Saints Row fan, so I've kind of just been waiting for this to show up. And this was I think this name got trademarked or it was floating around or something, and someone pieced together that Agents of Mayhem was a term used in the last Saints Row game. Uh, I'm like curious about this it doesn't quite look like the Saints row we know and love where you can do things with sex toys and uh, jump over cars and everything but it, it has very much a you know a fun kind of Saturday morning cartoon look to it uh, apparently the idea is that you are sort of this like suicide squad typed anti-hero superhero group yeah and it takes place in Seoul South Korea which is uh, the first time I believe in the series that it's been set in a real city hmm. and uh, you're fighting some robot dudes, I think. And I, I, I don't know what to – it doesn't – like it doesn't quite look like the Saints Row that I want, but I'm still tentatively excited about it. So yeah, we, we, I'm sure we're going to hear more next week. We you
1: heard know? that there would be some sort of new Volition announcement, uh, and I think everybody assumed it was going to be Saints Row 5, um, but – this is different than that. Agents of Mayhem and then a period after each letter of Mayhem, right? So it's M period, A period, kind of like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It certainly reminds me of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, the Marvel thing. Uh, but yeah, you know, as you're saying, it's very different looking. The trailer, which is just a sort of a cinematic trailer kind of introducing each character, certainly to me doesn't look like the level of, I don't know, complexity and sort of triple A-ness of a, of a Saints Row,
2: yeah. I, don't know. I mean, it's also, I think I, th- I think they're, you know, leaning hard into the kind of cartoony approach, sort of like we got with uh, uh, Sunset Overdrive, and I mean, you see it with Overwatch, too. I think a lot of people are kind of, maybe they don't particularly want realism in a game where you can, you know, kill someone with a dildo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, well, uh, that's the question. Like, is this game going to have that same sort of M-rated thing? Is that, or, or maybe they're stepping back from that a little bit, and it's, it's m- more you know, family-friendly w- way into this universe? I don't know.
2: I'm seeing blood in the thumbnails, and I feel like that would... I mean, they already kind of alienated about half their fan base by switching from the sort of GTA San Andreas knockoff that the first two games were into the more purple, yeah. cartoonish stuff that we got recently.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, I mean, I was hoping that we'd get, like... that we'd get a reboot of Saints Row, you know? Maybe that the whole the idea of the Saints has kind of... has since changed. Mm. Uh, I was sort of hoping that we'd get a... Almost a spiritual successor to Bully, where it's like a bunch of, you know, cartoon kids running around causing mayhem. But, yeah, I don't know. If you showed me these thumbnails and you were like, what's this from? I'd be like, I don't know. This is a uh, – what's that What's that one where, you, where you, you you run around? It's the Xbox one where you get the orbs and you jump around and, and you do you the – You mean Crackdown? That's the one. Crackdown. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, we're supposedly getting a new Crackdown at E3 this year. So, well, I'm excited for that. But, yeah, it does look yeah. a lot like that, doesn't it? Uh, the agent thing um yeah christian you have a an opinion about this did you get a chance to see the trailer
0: i did i watched the trailer i think it's one of those you know damned if you do damned if you don't kind of thing where like you really want um more saints row but at the same time we always want new ip so it's like like hey here's new ip that maybe ties into old ip but it's not the old ip you know and love but we're trying to do something cool so i'm kind of in a in a holding pattern right now for it
2: yeah I think that's a very a very safe uh, mentality to have around E3.
1: But it's interesting, <laughs> you know, Max, you bring up this and uh, sort of all the rest of these half stories, which I think is a great way of, of describing it, where, you know, a lot of the news we're getting this week is, hey, Watch Dogs 2 is going to be revealed on Wednesday. Hey, De- Destiny's new expansion is going to be revealed on Thursday. It's this crazy, like, announcement of announcements, and also all of these announcements are trying to beat E three, it's it's like there's not enough room in E three itself to stand out from the crowd, so they're doing the Wednesday before the Thursday before. Like my announcement is earlier than your announcement of an announcement. It's wild.
2: Yeah, I think it's funny that uh, we we get these like, I mean, making a teaser on the internet is definitely tricky. But the one that we got for what was for Destiny. We got it's the Destiny logo with half of it covered in snow. Yeah, and then there's uh, you know the Watchdogs one. We get a, a new logo that's considerably more, you know, street art looking than digital, like the last game. He's got game a
1: did. phone. He's got a phone yeah, in his hand. Surprise. It's yeah.
2: not set in the Wild West. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange week, but it's going to be exciting. I think it's cool. Uh, I'm hoping that what this means is that, you know, there are so many other new things that we're going to hear about that these other games that need to be released or announced, I should say, uh, even earlier aren't the big guns in the barrel. Like there's more bullets in the chamber, right? There's more awesome stuff to be revealed at E3. So that's cool. Uh, Christian, do you have a story of the week?
0: Man, there is so much, so much stuff this week. I think the biggest thing for me that that has kind of come out so far, and it's, you know, tenuously video game related, is Jake Gyllenhaal's jumping back into that Ubisoft, man. He was our Prince of Persia. You know, when uh, whitewashing was still cool in Hollywood. Yeah. Oh, well. I don't
2: know what you're talking about. Jake Gyllenhaal is my favorite Persian actor.
0: <laughs> <laughs> man. Uh, poor Jake. I, I like Jake Gyllenhaal. Tonight.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I like Jake Gyllenhaal. I did not like the Prince of Persia film. but He, got, he done killed that franchise. He, he did. He did. But I mean, he's back, baby. Kind of. In The Division, not only starring, but also wants to come in as a producer, which I think... I don't know if that's just like hey you're a, we think you're an A-list star so we're going to give you producer money or if he's like I have a vision for this and I want to be involved in making the sausage but Ubisoft is going big into film right and with they're still going with big name actors and you know we'll see how um, Assassin's Creed turns out but I think this is interesting
1: it's crazy that they're going so Persian with the the division uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think the division could be a really cool movie franchise i mean it's not I think the fiction of that game is really interesting and cool, and the fact that it's it's post-apocalyptic, but it's immediately post-apocalyptic, which I think is is fun. I hope that this movie isn't, like, the origin of the thing, but it is more like the video game where what's what's the immediate aftermath of an apocalypse? Because I think so many movies, at least, or TV shows will be like, the apocalypse happened. Six months later, you know
0: <laughs>
1: or a year and a half later it's like oh, it's all terrible, but the the steps immediately after I think are fascinating, and I, I thought that was what was cool about the game,
0: yeah, I hope they take the time to build the world a little more like then in, in the game where it's like this apocalypse, this just happened also you know we had enough time to form this Awesome street game. Gang, that's organized. Here's our hierarchy. This is our leader. We all report to him. We've been running these streets for years, and by years, I mean two weeks now.
1: <laughs> Things move quack fast in the post-apocalypse, man.
0: <laughs> right, right.
1: Uh, are you excited for this, Max?
2: Uh, I'm skeptical. I thought that the Division game had... I mean, it was it was interesting in that you were able to explore it, but with a movie, you've got to go a lot further in terms of world-building and creating characters to really, you know engage audiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the idea of showing the actual breakdown. Like it would be kind of cool if this was a cross between maybe like, like, uh, outbreak and the road, you know, like showing, yeah. showing that collapse in society. Uh, but as far as like the division being an organization that I'm invested in as a movie goer, not so much.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see it. Like, a, uh, you know, hopefully it doesn't have the same outcome as the Prince of Persia movie where, I really dug those Prince of Persia games, and now it looks like there's no plans to make more of them. So <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen to the Division. <laughs> That's all I care about, really. <laughs> uh, what about you, Jeff? Is, it, if you had to pick
0: one, I know we'll run through a couple, but what is your, of kind of the remaining half announcements that is uh, tickling you the most this week?
1: I mean, I, you know, me and my VR fetish, uh, I, I'm i really tempted to talk about this report about the reason the NX is delayed, or I should say further delayed, Uh, It sounds like whatever Nintendo's NX was, it's now going to be that and also VR. Uh, So (laughs) there's this report from DigiTimes that says that, hey, remember when Nintendo was going to start making, uh, you know, start doing the actual manufacturing of the NX so they would be ready by early 2017 to start selling these things? Yeah, well, that's not happening anymore because they're pushing it back to add virtual reality features to the NX, which is like... You just, add, you just add virtual reality features to a thing? I feel like if you've already got a thing that's a very specific thing, uh, it's like this handheld hybrid device. Oh, but we should also have virtual reality on it. It sounds like a recipe for disaster of, of kind of the same thing that we saw with the 3DS, of like, we had a thing and now we want to add 3D to it because 3D is a thing. Makes me a little worried. Uh, Max, what do you think about the idea of NX being delayed for VR?
2: Well, if there's one thing you can kind of piece together from tracking Nintendo's various hardware, you know, contributions to the world, uh there's really no consistency. Yeah. They tend they tend to throw everyone for a loop, and I was totally ready to believe that uh spectacular NX leak that was totally fake. Uh those one where the the guys three D printed a fake controller that was yeah. impressive. Yeah. So I mean I just I don't see I don't really see this being legit. I don't know. I, it seems like Nintendo's... It, I mean, it's hard enough to kind of keep them in the, at, at the cutting edge with just the more, the more basic end of gaming, but to really see them try to play catch-up with uh, VR as well, I don't know. But we still don't even know what the NX is. You know, we have no idea.
1: It's a good point. Uh, it, it seems to me that when Nintendo has a clear vision of, of something, and they, it seems like they're behind their vision, like the original Wii... It seemed like the Nintendo knew exactly what they wanted out of that thing. They had this idea of what that system was going to be and they built games for it and it was a big success because it kind of it provided a kind of entertainment that we'd never experienced before and people exactly, yeah. were excited about it. And then the Wii U felt like the opposite of that and the 3DS I think feels like the opposite of that. It feels like, "Oh, okay, well, maybe we should have high definition graphics and oh my gosh, tablets are a thing, so let's put a tablet on our thing and instead of Having this vision that they are all, you know, that the whole company is behind, and that the games are built around, and and it just feels backwards. And I'm worried that that's happening again. As much yeah, as I that... love VR, you know, and I and I'm I'm glad that it seems like all the big console manufacturers are going to have some sort of VR, you know, functionality. It still worries me that Nintendo is is moving into this sideways rather than. Yeah, vision.
2: I think the coolest thing they could do right now is just put out something that maybe doesn't try to totally reinvent the wheel. And I, you know, I respect their, like the Wii was totally novel and the 3d, the fact that they made glasses free 3d is, is kind of baffling still. Uh, but maybe this is time for them to do something that involves one screen and a controller that people are familiar with and doesn't completely alienate third parties. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, the Wii U felt like a answer to a question that nobody actually asked,
1: Right, yeah, I, I completely agree. And they they didn't even have the answer. Like it's the answer to a question that nobody asked. But they didn't even have the questions themselves. You know, it's like their games didn't even provide the right questions for for that box. But uh, I, I like what uh, Figglesick here in the chat is saying. He said it should be called Virtual Boy Two. That's kind of <laughs> rad.
0: No, it's not. <laughs> that
1: would be cool. Come on.
0: Here's our new console. We're tying tying it to our biggest disaster to date.
1: <laughs> no, actually, no. On
2: that on that front, it is actually sort of interesting because. The Wii was sort of the futuristic version of the Power Glove or the what is that that VR yeah. pad you had to run on, yeah. Uh, and what if they were like, hey, the Virtual Boy's back? That'd be I awesome. I mean, that would they wouldn't call it the Virtual Boy. They'd probably still call it like the the VX or something, you know. Yeah, I you think can I can't have think... a gendered console in
1: 2016. In the era, oh, that's true. That's a good point. Uh, I can't. I forgot about the whole gender issue, but I, I think in the era of you know nostalgia driven video game announcements from you know Shenmue to what have you all these all these things uh, i feel like saying we're making a new virtual boy but this time it's going to be amazing would i think there's there's no nostalgia
0: up. there's no nostalgia for the virtual boy no one is like pining poetic in their in their Garage, looking at their Virtual Boy box, being like, those were the days. I remember those long car trips when we were on vacation and I was in the back seat playing Virtual Boy, Mario, Ten.: okay. No one...
2: Who could forget uh, when the little stand that it had to sit on broke and you had to lie face down on a mattress. <laughs> with, your face stuck in there just so you could play Teleroboxer and fight that last boss who was a
1: cat. It was finally a, a console that forced you to uh, assume a physical position of shame in addition to the shame you had actually playing the games.
0: No, Mom. I need this massage table to play my virtual
2: boy. <laughs> Normally, I just cry into my pillow. But today, I'm playing virtual tennis.
1: <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I it's an, it's going to be a really crazy year finding out what N- Nintendo's doing. And and now they're saying, well, we're not just showing Zelda at E3. We got other games. I mean, we'll get to that as when we get to the uh, to the hype train segment. But uh, a couple of other just quick things. Um, there's a leak, evidently, for Dead or Alive Four which we're going to probably see next week as well. Um, and a delay for Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, which I think everybody saw coming. I don't think that's a surprise to anyone, but it will not be here until February 2017. Um, so it's not going to be a fall Sony exclusive, uh, but there's a new trailer for Horizon Zero Dawn that was released today and looks pretty snazzy. This is really at the top of my list of of things I'm excited to see at E3, that's for sure. Um, so... Lots to be excited about, even stuff we know for sure uh, right now, even if it's a little bit of a bummer to be delayed uh, until 2017. All right, guys, let's uh, stop this shenanigans. The real meat of the show is our E3 excitement. So let's get to that. But first, I do need to thank... Our sponsor, Squarespace. You've heard me talk about Squarespace for years. I'm such a fan of Squarespace. I use it. Um, JeffCanada.com was built on Squarespace. It is a reliable, top-notch platform for anything you would need to do on the web. A portfolio, a store even. They have... The best tools to create a really fantastic-looking website very easily. I've recommended this to family members. My father-in-law, I told him he's, he's got his own business. I said, use Squarespace. It's easy. You don't have to know anything about coding. You can just build it. It's got all what you see is what you get. Drag and drop tools. You start with a template that looks nice already, and then you can customize it and make it look your own, so it doesn't look like every other website on the on the net. And there's you know ninety nine percent uptime. It's they've got. Uh, support that is top notch as well. And the best thing is it's inexpensive. We are going to give you 10% off your first order. You can try anything on the site. You can use their tools completely free. You don't even have to put in a credit card to use their tools. You can build your site and, You can make it exactly what you want before you decide to even give them your credit card. So there's not even going to be any automatic charge that happens during the free trial. It's truly free. But then once you decide to sign up, use our promo code, Jeff Sent Me, J E F F S E N T M E. You go to squarespace.com slash DLC, use that promo code, Jeff Sent Me. We'll give you 10% off, and it shows support for the show. We really appreciate you doing that. Check out Squarespace, design your website. Hosting, it's all in one. It's it's a great place. Squarespace.com slash DLC and that promo code Jeff sent me. All right, Christian, ready to fire it up? Let's fire up the E3 hype train. Chugga, 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 chugga. E- All right, guys. It's going to be a big year. We evidently are going to get new console announcements. We are going to get uh, new game announcements. We know a lot of the games that are going to be there, and we'll step through that. Uh, but Max, let's let's start where you want to start. What what are you most excited about heading into this E3?
2: I mean, it's always the surprises. Uh, I would be pretty stoked if we got a hard release date for The Last Guardian. Uh, I'm 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 kind of I'm. Kind of tentatively excited about the idea of of uh the a new a new PlayStation that I has a VR plug on it as opposed to one that you got to get a separate little box for. Uh, I don't know. Always the stuff that's a, a proper reveal. Yeah. Uh, I would love it if we got. I mean, something new from Rockstar would be pretty cool. Everyone's talking about Red Dead Redemption Two. I saw that earlier today. Take Two renewed the trademark for Agent, which we never really saw in action.
1: Well, wow, talk uh, about a yeah, talk about a zombie game, right? I mean, it's not about zombies, but it's been dead. Uh, it was announced how many years ago, Agent, as a PS3 exclusive, I think.
2: Certainly, uh, some time ago. Yeah, I mean, that was what, like 2008 or nine.
1: Yeah, it was. It was a long time ago, and then complete radio silence on that game for years. You would expect it to be completely shuttered. So, if they're renewing the 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 trademark, maybe we will hear something about that game. I mean, at that time, it was like this kind of pseudo MMO for consoles, right, where you are a secret agent.
2: Yeah, I mean, who doesn't want to be a secret agent?
1: Not not me. I mean, I, would, I do.
2: I, I, okay, just so we're clear, that secret agents are fun,
1: right? Yeah, not not thing. me. I meant to say, you okay. said he doesn't want okay. to. I was I really
2: worried for a second. Because, I, was, I was
1: using the dub, double negative to confirm your positive Ah,
2: okay. grammar. Be, okay, if you don't want to be a secret agent, you can be a bus driver. <laughs> uh, no, like, um, I would love to see, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see a, an appearance from Hideo Kojima. Uh, we know that he's doing something with Sony uh, with his new studio and he's got all his pals with him and he's got a cool spaceman looking mascot for his studio, which I can't help but feel like might be a character that's going to be in their first game. They revealed his face today on a, a nice image, so it seems like, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's it's to narrow it down to like one specific thing is very difficult, but I think a lot of the stuff that we're all kind of buzzing about. There's uh, rumors that Watch Dogs 2 is in San Francisco, which I'm also in San Francisco and I would love to explore San Francisco in a game.
1: You, you want to in- drive to your house?
2: Yeah, I always love that, you know. And there aren't enough games that, like there was last one was Driver San Francisco and that was nobody wants to drive in San Francisco. It's terrible.
1: <laughs> yeah, I want to hack San Francisco from my cell phone. Yeah, exactly. Um Christian, you, you got to you got a top couple of things that you're most anticipating
0: um god of war 4 I, there's been a vague rumor that it's you know going to be shown and, and they are going to show it on a neo ps4k or ps4 neo you know showing the buttery smooth frame rate that most of us won't have <laughs> um but i'm a big fan of the god of war Or apparent leaks of you know nordic kratos with a beard and it never really panned out per se how true or false those were, but I love the God of War games. I realize they're kind of just dumb action, but, you know, I think Doom 2016 has shown that, if done well, dumb, gory action is still fun today. And so I'm excited to see what um, what God of War brings to the table. And then sticking with G-O-W-4 acronyms, I'm excited to see um, what Gears of War 4 proper is. I think the beta, you know, showed that they understood a lot of you know multiplayer in that game whether or not it will be the thing that grabs people long term or not I don't know but they keep saying that single player will be um you know a little more horror focused I don't know if I agree with the the story they're telling where it's like it's new characters but it's the son of the old character remember how in the first game you were the son of a different old character yeah <laughs> but I'm excited to see that and then um oh man one just flew out of my head that uh, I'll think of it. I'll think of it. Li- oh, Crackdown Three. We talked about it already. I want to. I want to play some Crackdown Three, dude.
1: I am such a huge fan of the first Crackdown. I would. I hope Crackdown Three is uh, amazing and looks incredible on this new hardware. Like, give me that world. Make me find those orbs. I love that stuff. That's certainly one of the games at the top of my list. Um, I think Dishonored Two from Bethesda is going to be uh, a, a real showstopper. I'm. I feel like that's going to be the the main showcase of their press conference. They're doing a press conference again. They only did their, their first one last year. And I think, I think this one's going to be the way last year's was all about fallout four. I think this one's going to be all about dishonored Two, And that makes me excited because I thought dishonored was a great game. And I think they could really improve on that, um, with a sequel. Um, I'm really excited to see what uh, the game that CD Projekt Red is going to be showing because they said they're done with Witchers. They said this last um, expansion is is the end of the Witchers. So I'm hoping we're going to see whatever that um, cyberpunk game is that they're working on. Um,
2: that's uh, that's one of my most just completely anticipated games ever. I'm if that is if that's half as good as Witcher three, but it's set in like a William Gibson esque cyberpunk universe. I'm so there
1: right oh my gosh talk about uh wish come true that that just sounds so rad i mean those guys put so much love and effort into their games it feels like witcher was it feels like witcher was a labor of love and and man a, a rich deep world like the witcher but as you said in cyberpunk oh man give it to me um what are the other ones that are, that are at the top of my list? I mean, I think, as I said, Horizon Zero Hour, I'm really excited for. Although, interesting that they, you know, released a new trailer today. It feels like maybe it will – it won't be a I – mean, I don't know. Maybe they will show a big part of their uh, Sony press conference built around that because they'll be showing it uh, played live. But um, it seems odd to me that they would uh, show the trailer, which you usually have as part of your press conference, you know, the week before – if that game is going to be a big part of it. Um, we know that there's going to be a new Sony game called uh, Dead Don't Ride, which um, sounds kind of crazy, uh, a zombie game um, where you're riding around on motorcycles, I guess. Um, I, you know, we can step right through and, and go down the list of, of all the stuff we know that's going to be there. Something that no one has said so far, none of us has mentioned, is Zelda. Uh, are we excited to see what the Zelda is, or does it feel like... You're showing it on the console that I I'm going to be least excited to play it on.
2: <laughs> yeah, I th- I think that that there's a it's kind of a cart before the horse thing. I I want to see what the NX is because I mean presumably it's going to be cross platform like Twilight Princess was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this Zelda looks fantastic from what I've seen, but it's also like this is Zelda taking cues from stuff like Skyrim and The Witcher. Like this is open world. I mean you know obviously Zelda's groundbreaking and everything, but is I, I almost prefer the old like the cute little you know little tiny you know uh, link between worlds and Minish Cap and stuff like that. So, right? Is this going to do enough new stuff that it really scratches that itch, or is it? I mean, I feel like the last few Zelda games have uh, you know they've been received well, but there's always kind of that oh there's sort of there's motion controls or oh there's a really really long tutorial. Like what are they going to do to kind of take it back to? Really, just the the magic of Zelda. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it sounds I mean, like it's going to be really the 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 biggest thing that Nintendo's showing. And um, it, you know, if it really is going to be a cross platform release, it seems so odd that they'll be showing it and making such a be- big deal about it on the console that they don't want you to be playing it on. I mean, I think they'll want you to they'll want it to sell new consoles. I would guess. Um, it's such a strange situation to be in it's like yeah I'm, I'm here demoing the game but am i gonna be playing it like this on the new console or is the new console gonna have weird different functionality that i'm not gonna be aware of and they're not talking about that new console so we don't know yeah. i think
0: in general and i'm gonna get a lot of backlash for this i thought about it before we started doing the show if i should say it and i don't know what this new one is but i think gaming has surpassed zelda in and the, the, the name has this hard nostalgia hit in what Ocarina did and um, uh, Link, uh, uh, Link in Time or whatever. The, God, my mind is going blank because I'm just picturing the hate already. But like, Zelda was great. But I'm going to use a was in the sense that every the, the recent games have gotten good review scores. But I think there are better versions of that genre made by other players people and whether it's darksiders that came out and was like oh man this is a mature take and hd take on zelda but they updated the formula a little bit and i would argue that witcher 3 took a lot of what you know a, a mature link would be and made an awesome game around it like i don't know if i want i don't know what i want my zelda to be because i don't want it just to be zelda zelda one top-down cutesy like it's starting to feel redundant where it's like, go get this boomerang, do this thing and then do this thing. And the most recent 3DS game changed that formula a little bit where you could do your, your uh, dungeons in different order and you could rent your equipment and you weren't getting it, you know, unlocking it per se. But I I feel like maybe they're too beholden by their formula as well. But then if they're breaking outside of that formula, there are already games that are inspired by what Zelda did in terms of adventuring and and dungeoning and uh, puzzle solving that, why do I need it to be Zelda, and what what is it? I just think, I think the sun is setting on Zelda as a franchise, unless this game does something amazing, and this is where my pessimism comes in, and I don't know if Nintendo can do that right now, and that stinks. Hmm.
2: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm completely with you on that. Um, yeah, it's like, if you want if you want the more complex 3D world of, of Zelda, there is, yeah, there is like Skyrim, and there's The Witcher, and then if you want that kind of cutesy, more uh, whimsical, top-down stuff, there's stuff like Below and Hob like, I, I'm i totally with you on that. I, I, that, that, again, I, I'm, t- I'm still going to completely, like, I'm going to freak out when they show us new stuff, <laughs>
1: oh, Of course, yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> what hype's about. Yeah, I know. We're going to be like, I don't know if there's a Zelda. Oh, my God, he has a horsey! He's got a horsey! <laughs> yeah.
2: I, love that, yeah. I love that Miyamoto was like, uh, so the horse, um, it runs around the trees. Because <laughs> yeah. what kind of a horse would run into trees? And I'm like... Well yeah, it's, uh, all our other horses and games. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good point.
1: My idiot Witcher horse constantly yeah. runs into Damn trees. It, Roach. Can't figure out how to how a how a, how a, a low bush works. See, you know a, a a a simple fence is baffling to my horse. Yeah. Um I don't know, man. I I have high hopes. I love Zelda games. I really truly do. And Link Between Worlds on the 3DS was a phenomenal experience. I mean, they still know how to make these games great. And as much as you say, you know, uh, Witcher or Skyrim, yes, those games are creating big fantasy worlds that I'm in, and, and I love them, but there's something about Zelda where it's, you know, the temples and the puzzles. Like, those games don't have puzzles like Zelda has puzzles, and, the, you know, you get the boots so you can go to the next place. You get the, you know, boomerangs so you can go to the next area, and the, and the items that unlock new temples to have new puzzles. I mean, that is a very specific kind of game. Yes. Dark sizers did it, but almost nobody else is doing that exact kind of game. And it's such a pleasurable experience for me. I'm, I'm rooting for this. I want it to be great. I just don't know where this game is going to sit from a hardware's perspective. Cause yeah, I'm excited for the first HD Zelda game, but I'm not going to be playing it on a Wii U. I'm going to be playing it on whatever NX is hopefully in VR. <laughs>
0: No, I'm, I'm with you. I'm rooting for it. I just, I don't know what it is because what you described is classic Zelda. That's Zelda, 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 Zelda. Like that could have been the first paragraph of a gameplay Wikipedia entry about Zelda. But what they've shown for this game is that it's kind of, they're not doing that, you know, and, and they, like you said, they toyed with it on the 3DS version. And so I don't know what Zelda is if it's not that unlocked progression system. I guess it's puzzle dungeons and, um, Saving a princess and, uh, I don't know, exploring a very empty world. (laughs) I don't know. I hate being down on it, and I hope it's going to be great. But as I wrestle with what I want it to be and what I think it's going to be, I guess I'll have 90 minutes to to figure it out when I'm a 90-minute demo (laughs) here next week. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Let's step through a couple of other big games we know are going to be there. Uh, i'm really really excited to see what titanfall 2 is i thought the the universe of titanfall was so cool the titans themselves were so rad but i wanted more than anything a single player campaign in that universe and it sounds like that's what we're we're going to get um max are you uh, are you anticipating titanfall 2 as much as i am
2: i'm really looking forward to it i thought that uh Titanfall was an incredible, that was one of the first multiplayer shooters that I jumped into and immediately had fun. Uh, yeah. I, I always called it kind of the Oprah approach to, to multiplayer perks, where everyone gets a Titan. Like you <laughs> just have to sort of stay alive long enough, and you get a robot. Right. That's <laughs> true. The amount of, like, they had, they had little bots running around, so even if you were getting killed by the same human being repeatedly, having some level of like of feedback of, like, oh, I shot a robot man in the head. I'm, I'm a good player at the game. Uh, it it had that kind of like, I mean, without being a totally like totally wussy stupid game, it was it it had sort of an everybody wins kind of feeling to it. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm a big fan of large robots, so that's that's good news. And also, I'm
1: uh, I'm not an Xbox gamer, so having it come to PS4 is also huge. Oh yeah, that's a great point. It is going to be multi platform this time around. Um, yeah, and and I you know I can't wait to see what they do in that world. Give me more information about what's going on in that world i mean we know that the the mechs are sort of corporate right there's like a company that builds them um I, I think there's an interesting fiction to be told there i hope i hope that the campaign is also interesting from a narrative perspective but uh but just being able to play solo and have adventures in that world where i get mechs uh, i'm in i cannot wait to play titanfall 2
0: it's a single player though, right? Like, do you think the single player will pull you into the multiplayer world, Jeff? Or are you just looking to play your eight to 10 hour story and be like, that was awesome. I love this world. And then kind of move on from it.
1: Well, maybe, I mean, I, I'm certainly, uh, open to that idea. I I played a fair amount of Titanfall multiplayer. I just, you know, me, I'm not Mr. Uh, first person shooter, multiplayer guy, but, Uh, I, am open to that. If the, if the world is exciting enough, I mean, it certainly is what happened with call of duty, right? The early call of duty games, I got pulled into the multiplayer from playing the single player.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting. I mean, it's, um, this E3, when when this year started, I always thought this E3 would be so boring, right? Like we're in the middle of a console cycle, nothing really happening. And now it's like, holy crap.
1: (laughs) Well, it's crazy, dude. I, I listened to last year's uh, E3 anticipation show that we did with Garnet and just to sort of see, you know, how we structured it. (laughs) And uh, we were talking about how this – last year's E3 was finally going to be the year that justified the new consoles. And here we are only one year later and we're getting new new consoles. (laughs) It's insane. Yeah. (laughs) I would
2: say this is honestly one of the most worrisome E3s going into it because we've got a bunch of AAA publishers who pulled out of having booths on the show floor – and yeah. we're getting you know 0. 0.5 versions
1: of consoles you know it's yeah it's interesting i i'm hoping that that's not cause for concern but it it certainly can be it certainly can be a way to alienate the both the press and the the consumers you know like consumers are saying hey microsoft is showing a bunch of commercials i saw one last night on the basketball game the xbox 1 is now 299 it's like yeah but next week you're going to announce Two new Xbox Ones, potentially? Um, so all these people are going to feel a little taken advantage of, perhaps. Uh, I mean, no matter what happens, somebody on the internet will be mad about it. That's for sure. Well, uh, that that we can we can rely yep. on. Uh, but yeah, you know, Titanfall 2 will be Electronic Arts, and that will be one of those companies that will have its own off-site event that actually is going to be open to the public, potentially, partially. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see that they'll have Battlefield One there as well, and I'm assuming um, some Mass Effect Andromeda stuff will be coming from them. Um, we know that game is not near, but um, we'll certainly be. I think we'll see at least a trailer for Mass Effect Andromeda, which is pretty exciting. Uh, and I'm I'm hoping maybe some Star Wars stuff. Right? They have more Star oh, Wars yeah. things coming. I'm a I'm a big Star Wars guy, so. Yeah, what what would be what's the Star Wars game that you're hoping to see more about?
2: Uh I'm most interested in I think Visceral uh because I'm I'm a big like I grew up playing, you know, Dark Forces and Jedi Knight and Rebel Assault to a lesser effect and I I love Star Wars games with a story. That said, I sunk dozens of hours into Battlefront in spite of its lack of content. Uh I'm excited they're going to have um I think they're going to be they're going to be launching the DLC with Lobot and Dengar pretty soon, which is Oh, man. That's my jam. So, uh, I don't know. That said, like, something you know, something that actually creates new
1: Star Wars fiction is really exciting. For sure. Yeah, I, and I I want those, like, big story-based experiences. I mean, I've, I've said that numerous times now in reference to Titanfall, but the same is with, true with Star Wars. Like, as cool as Battlefront is, it, you know, what you come to Star Wars for is participating in that epic saga and to have games that actually – provide that i think will be so cool uh with the you know with the kind of engine that we're looking at from from battlefront that makes it feel like being in the movie
0: well i Um, hope that engine looks like that I, i think we'll talk about mirror's edge catalyst a little down the line but um woof that game is not pretty
1: oh all right yeah, well, it's stylized, you know. It's it's doing a different thing. Stylized so that
0: different. the the NPC characters that give you missions along the way look like a Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 creative player on PlayStation 2. Is that stylized? All
1: right. Well, I'm jumping ahead <laughs> a little bit. But let's, uh, <laughs> let's keep. Up, let's stay on the train. Oh, sorry, on the train I'm back.
0: Sure. I I flew off. I I was hanging. I was Uncharted 2. Uh, I'm <laughs> stabbed. I'm shot. But I'm still strong enough to climb up four train cars and get. I'm back on the train, Jeff. What's up?
1: Good, I appreciate that. Hang on, because okay. it's a bumpy ride. Uh, let's talk about Microsoft a little bit. Uh, we already talked about Crackdown Three, which man, please don't screw up that game. Don't make it Crackdown Two again. Please make Crackdown Three amazing. Uh, but we also are probably going to see more of A Sea of Thieves, which uh, they debuted last year with a trailer. But we, you know, it's a, sort of that pirate game that we don't know much about. Um, it's the Rare game, right? Yeah, Rare is making it, or what? what we now call rare, which... (laughs) Yeah. um, ReCore, which was an announcement of last year's E3. I'm hoping we'll see more of of what that game is. Scalebound uh, and Gears of War 4. So, uh, Max, do you have a a, a Microsoft exclusive title that is a top of that bunch? So I'm historically not into Gears of War, but Gears of War 4
2: looks gorgeous. Uh, I love that they're getting back into the sort of survival horror elements. I mean, that was... uh, Mm -hmm openly very much took cues from resident evil four. And I think it's that, uh, that demo we saw last year was really cool. Like I really liked it. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm again, like I, Cliffy B once said he wanted to punch me in the face because I didn't like yours War. so. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but he could, he could never reach your face. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's why he made that game about, you know, people jumping around with zero gravity. Um, <laughs> lawbreakers, <laughs> uh, but no, uh, I am uh, I'm really curious about Sea of Thieves. Uh that demo we saw, whatever if that was a demo or was that was that a demo? Do we know that? Was that? I think it was a cinematic trailer. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm at this point I'm having a hard time keeping track of that, but right. that game looks really cool. Uh I love the idea of games that are extremely low on uh on UI and when you fight people it doesn't have numbers flying off of them and I have a feeling that's one of those games that is totally going to have like a bunch of just messages and crap on screen at all times. But what they showed us where it was like, Oh, you're on a desert Island. You want to look at some treasure? You want to hop on a boat? Uh, that looked really exciting. I like exploring in games and the more information you have on screen, the less it feels like that's the case. So,
1: yeah, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Exploration in games is cool. And you know, we don't have very many pirate games. I think doing a pirate game, right. Is it would be a really cool thing and feeling like you're in that world. it's oh, awesome. um, I would love for the people in the chat to throw up games that they're most excited about for us to talk about uh, to bring up on the show. I'd love to see that. Um, I think that uh, we covered Sony pretty well. Um, Although, you know, Last Guardian, Horizon Zero Hour, we didn't talk about... Zero Dawn. Oh, and also, I think we said
0: Dead dead or Alive 4. It's Dead Rising 4 that is expected to to be unveiled soon.
1: So many Dead games. Yeah, Dead Rising, which is uh, much more exciting it's
0: a lo- me, i hope i hope dead rising 4 is microsoft exclusive again and then sony's the dead don't ride or whatever is a sony exclusive and it's like you just yeah. have games that are so similar in name but also different but maybe the same style of game where you're you know riding around a town just chaining zombies or whatever and it's like you play that dead or rising i mean the dead don't i don't and also i called overwatch as a name for a first person shooter uh, a listener tweeted that to me over two years ago so You're welcome, Internet.
2: Uh, No, I had a a weird moment where I was trying to tell the difference between uh, dying light, daylight, and dead light.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like uh, three stages of drinking. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So the the other big Sony game that we know will be there uh, is Detroit Become Human. Which we heard a little bit about last year, but that's the new Quantic Dream game, and uh, I, you know, I'm a big fan of what Quantic Dream does. I know that's a little polarizing among the uh, the video game elite, but uh, I'm I love what they do. Their storytelling is second to none, and to have them do a sort of you know futuristic robot lady game, uh I'm I'm in. Yeah, you, so are, you, are you guys like a futuristic robot lady game? I do love a, me a good futuristic robot lady game. Um, I know a lot of people get frustrated with Quantic Dream games that they're not enough game and they're too much movie, and you know that's too far along that spectrum one direction. But I don't know, man. If you can bring me into that world and convince me of that world and, and bring the level of um, of quality and and visual fidelity that they bring to games, uh, I, I, I just like wandering around their universes and it's okay to me that the kind of interactive elements are a little simplistic
0: i loved heavy rain i only made it i don't know maybe 90 minutes was beyond two souls it became a playstation plus game i believe this year last year um i think that's how i played it and something about that game felt like maybe he was trying to correct the not enough gameplay i think i got to like the first shooter element or whenever when you're um actual Ellen page and something about that game felt disjointed to me where heavy rain at least presented a strong narrative. And I feel like sometimes I felt like heavy rain was true detective season one and beyond two souls was like season two where it was like, Oh, I got to make this other thing. And it's, it's, I mean, it has some cool moments, but I haven't been writing it for the last 18 years of my life. <laughs> you know, it didn't have like that right. vision that uh heavy rain had.
1: Yeah. I liked beyond Two souls. Uh it, it didn't it wasn't a home run, but it 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 was solid and man, the ending was pretty powerful. I thought it was I thought it was excellent. And I, I just like what he does. Nobody else is doing what he does. David Cage, that is. Um But I do know a game that you are excited about, Christian, or will be if it actually gets announced, which I think it's a pretty safe bet it will be, uh, and that is Shadows of Mordor Two.
0: Oh yeah, buddy. Mm-hmm.
1: You think that's gonna? We think we're gonna see that at E3, guys. I really hope so. So, what what is your dream version of Shadows of Mordor two? Just more of the same, or do they need to sort of? So, to
2: actually, you out? the title is Middle Earth: Shadow of Mordor, mm. and that was all set in Mordor. So, theoretically, this could be an entirely different thing set somewhere
1: else in Middle Earth. Oh, interesting! Shadow of Hobbiton. Yeah, and all you do is you have tea. Buns <laughs> and smoke a pipe. Yep, <laughs> that's an interesting idea. That it's a, it's a different location. Um, I didn't finish that game. So, is there an ending that needs a that requires a continuation? I don't know. I mean, honestly, I uh, I played the crap out of that
2: game, but I didn't finish it either. I just really like playing it, and then it kind of reached a point where I was like, "All right, I'm done."
0: There is an ending that could. That character could be explored more, but they also set it in a world, you know, Middle-earth where the dead come back and that's how that game's premise was. There's definitely room for that game to either use that same character or not i think it might be smarter if they didn't and they went a different way because that was a pretty tightly told revenge tale um but i'm excited to see the nemesis system come back it's something that you know when the game came out i think we all assumed so many other games would ape and just you know rip off and no one really did it and then that game borrowed so much from the batman games i really hope that you know you get a horse that you have to just drive around a city and a whole bunch and do all these environmental puzzles and you have a gatling gun on your horse and you have to shoot all the other horses no i don't want
1: <laughs> I, I don't do want rating the horse turret sequences <laughs> as you, long as they don't run into trees i'm fine with the horse no but you
0: use your grappling hook to pull your horse up buildings and it <laughs> it really changes the gameplay i think i think it's a new character that is somehow related to you know they, they find a story element to to tie it into the first game but i would like to see a new character and i want to see the nemesis system even deeper where you know literally every single enemy you beat somehow has a story element hooked into it that progresses as the game unfolds because that first game was so so cool even though you figured out what they were doing right but it was still cool when you'd kill a guy they need to come back and he'd be look different or they'd to say that they're going to avenge you because you killed this guy or, or this low level guy became a high level general because of how you killed the different generals. That's, it's a really, really cool system.
1: Um, you know, there's, there's so many other things we could hit on. I want to talk a little bit about VR, uh, cause I think VR is going to be there in a big way. Of course, Sony, you know, PSVR is going to have a ton of stuff to show. Uh, hopefully there'll be a couple of cool reveals, uh, for PSVR that that we don't know about, but I do know a lot of the games that I saw at the PSVR reveal will be back at E3 and showing new things, which will be exciting. Uh, and Oculus is going to be there in a big way. They have a massive booth at Oculus. Uh, and I'm hoping that the touch controllers and we will find out a little bit more about when they will be released and how much they'll cost and what the launch titles will be for the touch controllers. I think that is something that I'm really anticipating and, and you know, I think Oculus has done such a good job in making VR games that feel like full, complete games. I'm going to be talking a little bit about Edge of Nowhere later. But, you know, already they, you know, Eve Valkyrie and Lucky's Tale and The Climb. These are all games that feel a little more substantial than than what we've got on Vive so far. Um, so I'm hoping they continue that trend and r- really talk about these launch titles for Touch as full, complete AAA experiences. Uh, so I have big hopes for something unexpected there, and and some some solid information. Um, I, I guess let's fit, wrap up this hype train discussion because we do have, I do want to talk about games we've been playing. Uh, let's wrap that up with maybe some predictions uh, from you guys. If if you have any kind of wild predictions of stuff we haven't talked about, anything that you know is out of left field that you hope to see, uh, maybe predict what your game of show will be. Um, do you have anything like that? Max you want to venture out on a limb oh man uh,
2: that's a that's a pretty bold uh, bold thing I, whatever CD project Red's working on
1: there's a good there's a good chance there because they make some really good stuff for being your game of show yeah. yeah and you know I think my biggest prediction for this whole show I think will be I think that what Bethesda pulled off with Fallout four is going to be aped by a lot of companies this year I think so many people learned from that, and I think we're really going to see a lot of games announced and released in the same year. I really and hope I so too, yeah. I think it's a great plan, and it's, uh, I think it's a refreshing breath of fresh air for, for, for publishers as well to be like, okay, we can concentrate all our PR efforts into a very short period and actually be successful. So I'm hoping we're going to see a lot of like, Dishonored 2, here's the full reveal, it's coming out this year, or even games we don't know about at all. Here's the announcement, and it's coming out this Everybody year. Everybody, look under your seat. It's Titanfall Two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think Titanfall Two will come out this year, and I, you know, these are games we know about, but I'm hoping there's a couple that we just didn't even see coming, and and they're still saying, "Hey, it's this year, it's happening. Get excited!" Because I think that's a, that's a really effective marketing technique now, and I think people are are behind it. They don't they realize they don't need that two year ramp up. Uh, Christian, do you have any uh, bold predictions? <sighs>
0: So for me, a couple of the games that we haven't mentioned that I think might show up and be awesome for some predictions, Resident Evil 7. I think the rumors of that going back to a horror-ish route are, are going to pan out. I think we'll see something from that. I don't think it will follow the Fallout 4 model, unfortunately, but I think, I think we'll hear Resident Evil 7. I want to believe in the Sucker Punch Spider-Man game. I love Sucker Punch. I'd be happy with Infamous 3 or Infamous, whatever you want to call it, but Infamous Spider-Man, sign me up. Um, I
1: want I want infamous that plays like the division that's co-op and single player mesh together a big city. Let me run around with uh, infamous powers. That's what I want.
0: So I'll take that, but I'll do Spider Man, Black Cat, um, <laughs> Spider Gwen. <And laughs> I want I want a good Spider Man game again. Um, I think Forza Horizon two. I love that game or three, whatever. <laughs> Man, they're cranking out Forzas. Um, new Forza Horizon I think would be fun. And then I think for potential potential games of show for me, I think God of War four is is an easy shoe in for me. And I think while it's hard to demo, I think Persona five. Uh, I think that game looks beautiful and I don't know how much I can sit and play that on show floor, but, um, if they're able to do a good vertical slice demo of that, I think it could be a, a game of show as well. I mean, fallout certainly did a good job last year with a big, big game showing an effective slice. So hopefully persona can do that as well.
1: So much to be excited about, um, max goville. Thank you so much for being with us. I know you got to run, but, uh, thanks for getting on the E3 hype train with us. Um, yeah, tell people where they can keep up with you.
0: Hey, it's me again. Uh, we lost Max; uh, <laughs> this internet cut out right as we were doing the his plugs, and he had to leave to go back to real work. But I wanted to get them in here in case you didn't already know. You can follow him on Twitter. It is at maxscoville. They have a bunch of really cool stuff planned over at IGN for E3. They have the IGN app. You can follow everything that's happening there course up at noon and you can head over to the comedy button for a not family friendly but very fun show you can follow that show on twitter as well and it's just at the comedy button so thank you max for being part of our show this week really appreciate it sorry about the internet and mic issues (laughs) i uh you had rocking but we really appreciate you sticking with it and uh, switching mics and doing everything you did to be able to be on the show this week hopefully we can get you back soon when we've got uh you've got an easier setup over there you can just jump on and chat with us for a bit and (laughs) and get out and make it work we will see you at e3 soon okay more show
1: here we go uh we got lots more show here so uh he had to dip out out a little early but we got lots of stuff to talk about um i i'm just in love with this time of year i gotta tell you Um, We have big plans for E3. We're going to do an extra episode. Um, We'll do an episode Sunday night after the press conferences that uh, are happening Sunday, which is I think EA and Bethesda happen on Sunday, and then Christian and I and uh, a special guest. I think that's going to be – I think it's going to be Zabdomatos is going to join us Sunday night for that episode, and we'll talk about those press conferences and then monday night after the big uh microsoft ubisoft and sony press conferences we'll do a late episode that'll come up that monday night talking about all those press conferences i think we have a cool guest for that episode as well and then the following monday we'll have our big e3 wrap up where we'll you know talk about our game of show and uh, all the stuff that we got hands on with during the course of the uh, of the week but it's going to be a lot of fun i hope you guys stick with dlc all that time and and uh, hang out with us for e3 because we are on that hype train. It's going to be a lot of fun. But let's get to the games we've been playing and uh, talk about our playlist. Well, I've been playing a ton of stuff this week, Christian. But let's start with you. Um, you've been playing a little Mirror's Edge, right? A little Mirror's Edge Catalyst?
0: I did, Mirror's Edge Catalyst. I played it via the EA Access, which, um, you know, gives you access to their EA vault and, and time to demos for upcoming full games. So. Typically, you get 10 hours, well, not typically, for most of the games, you get 10 hours of playtime with the full game is what EA Access promises for uh, unreleased or, you know, soon to be released EA games. For Mirror's Edge Catalyst, it was six hours of playtime and also only 10 story missions. I believe it was 10. It could be less than that. 10 story missions. So when they announced that before the trial started, I was already a little nervous because to me that implies, one, you could beat the whole game in six hours. Uh, and two i mean in 10 hours sorry and two you could maybe even beat the just main story missions in six hours if they were all unlocked like i feel like while mirror's edge catalyst is was pitched as this open world game my fear is that it's um still very short well maybe i shouldn't say my fear because (laughs) i did not like this game jeff i'm sorry i'm so excited about this so i wasn't I wasn't the biggest fan of the first. I appreciated what they were trying to do, but it didn't it didn't hook me. So before I dive in too much, what what about the first game did you love so much? And what did you hope this game, what do you hope this game brings to the table?
1: What I loved about the first game is the movement, the sense of speed and kineticism, right? That, that flow that you get into in Mirror's Edge that there isn't any other game quite like it. Uh, In first person that you you feel like when it's clicking, you feel like you really are plotting your, you know, your parkour trail through the environment and flippity dipping around and jumping off things and just feeling this wonderful sense of movement and speed and being able to sort of improvise your way through, uh, you know, this, this cool urban environment. I didn't like the combat so much. Uh the the guns really made you slow down and it just kinda of broke the game. And I think a lot of us, myself included, were hoping that Mirror's Edge two would double down on the things it got right, which is that sense of, you know, parkouring around the environment and feeling awesome and, you know, running away from things or running through or by or around things, um and not having to shoot anything and that that fun thing of like leaping off a thing or getting to the top of a thing or running around a thing—it's it's a lot of the same things that I like about Crackdown. It's it's exploring. It's getting to a place that I'm not sure I can get to, but then I do. Um, but but doing it with this flow of that parkour.
0: Yeah. So this game. I feel like what it doesn't have, and I I only played for 90 minutes. You can see it um, on my YouTube, which is Christian Spicer 713, or it's still archived on my Twitch channel as well, which is just Christian Spicer. Um, And I only played for 90 minutes, and I I did not want to play any more than that. And I think part of the reason why is that momentum in the part that I played, I never felt like it got going. The sense of speed felt off like i felt i feel like in these types of games you want to become almost unrealistic in the way that like as you chain things together you almost start going faster and you're able to just you get into that zen moment you get into your res moment or whatever right and you're just like jump swing slide jump sling wall run pop 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 and it's like you know your tony hawk 2 pro skater moment you don't even know what your hands are doing your guitar hero moment all of these games have have achieved that level of like you know, you let your fingers do the walk-in kind yeah, of thing in the zone. Right. And it's, it's just beautiful in this game. I feel like I always felt like I was going five miles an hour too slow where, you know, like a racing game, you see your line and you hit it and you come into a corner going too fast. You're like, I'm not sure I'm going to pull this off. And you jam the e-brake and make it around the corner. And this game, I felt like I was running slowly and um, maybe I'm not good at it. Maybe it's just get good, but I feel like I was lined up for the thing that I was jumping at and it, didn't lock me to it like it needed a little more auto lock or something. Um yeah, it just felt slow, the pace felt off. I talked to a few other people that played it. Other people shared the same feeling, so I know I'm not alone. I know other people um loved it. And then the story is just awful. Like again, for what I played of it, but it seems it's so heavy and ham-fisted and these characters are all just jerks. There's a character spoiler there's i'm gonna name a character you meet him within the first 10 minutes of the game but if you want to know nothing about it stop for 30 seconds there's a character named icarus that character i wanted to strangle and not in like the you're supposed to be aggravating it's just like this weird i don't know like emo slash uh snark slash brattiness and like I don't, it just wasn't a world I want, I didn't want to figure out the story. I didn't want to spend time with these characters and then the open world structure of the game. I guess if you don't want to play the game, there could be fun had just running around the city, but as you, you play the game, I mean, it's, it's not open world, right? In the way that I would say that even the far cry games are, it's like you go to a mission and you unlock the thing and then it's like, run this route, You know, and and you and you run this route from A to B, and there's a little bit of experimentation on as to how you do it, but not tons,
1: right? You can turn off that guide.
0: Oh, sure, but I'm saying like that you don't have enough time to like you're running from point A to point B, and it's not like you know go all the way down and around and do this awesome thing. It's like here are five paths you can maybe take to get to this thing, and I was really, really hoping that you'd have time to play it this week because I hope I hope that you love it and it's just the the summary is it's not for me which is fine but um for me in me alone and maybe people should watch the stream for for more um because i don't want to dominate the time just bad mouthing a game i didn't like but for me this game is a hard hard pass oh and graphically it's a mess i played on xbox one and it, like people said that maybe the faces load in later the textures load but when it's in game it's it's bad it's it's not Thanks. it's it's not good um the game for me out, is a man. a hard, hard pass, and if this is all they can do with the franchise, I think it's time to to hang it up. Wow unfortunately. Well, it's only
1: the second one. I mean, this is there's not much to
0: hang oh, up. And like, and lastly, there is there's like a whole combat skill tree. So they got rid of guns, but they did not get rid of dumb combat. Like well, sometimes I the you can
1: combat in the in the beta was actually pretty clever. Like it it didn't really slow you down. It was more of like a you know, push people out of the way or smack them sideways so you can get by them or take them down quick. And you can do
0: that sometimes. And then other times it's clear the room and you're like, no, (laughs) I don't want to, I don't want to clear the room. I want to just keep going. Uh, And if you don't take them down, they start taking out guns and they shoot you to crap. Mm. So I'm curious. I I want you to play it. I know E3 is next week, but this is a, we need to revisit it later because if you're, if you loved the first game, You know, wait till Jeff's impressions until you make up your mind, maybe if you're not day one on it.
1: Yeah, I I definitely am worried that this game is going to fall into that weird E3 gap, uh, but I hope not. It's one I'm very much excited to play, and it it bums me out that you didn't like it. So we'll see. Um, I'll do a game, and then we can come back to to more of your playlist as well. But uh, I want to talk a little bit about Edge of Nowhere. Uh, yes, this is a VR game. It's an uh, Oculus exclusive, but it's from Insomniac. So, you know, this is this is a major publisher. This is a major AAA game. Uh, maybe you guys have heard about this. This is the one that is uh, third-person action-adventure. It's kind of like – actually, Christian, it's kind of uh, Uncharted meets The Last of Us as far as mechanics go. Because okay. you've got – You've got that unch- uncharted exploration, climb things. You've got you know your your ice climber pickaxe thing, and you make giant leaps, and then you swing your pickaxe like Lara Croft or Nate Drake do. Uh, but also, you encounter crazy creatures. That you have to sneak around that make clicking noises that ha- are blind, but if you make too much noise, they'll find you and kill you instantly. So there's a lot of sneaking and throwing rocks into the other direction to, uh, you know, make them look over there while you run behind them. So it's these, you know, these two great games that you love. Yeah. That uh, it's a mashup of. And it's in VR, dude. So that world is all around you. And yeah, it's a third person game. So you're hovering behind your avatar, your, your character you see in, in the foreground all of all the time, but you're still inside that world. You look to your left, you look to your right, you look up, you look down, it's all around you. And this is, it's, you know, it's uncharted meets last of us in a HP Lovecraft world. This is like set in the thirties, that sense of adventure on a biplane going into the uncharted North, you know, the, this crazy snow land crash landing and having to deal with stuff and then slowly going insane and encountering Cthulhu creatures and, you know, elder ones or whatever they're called in Lovecraft. So that's cool. I mean, there's not many Lovecraft kind of themed games in the world either. It's either like, you know, zombies or zombies or, or maybe zombies. <laughs>
0: um, How does it look? I mean, because you say The Last of Us and Uncharted, both of those games were visual powerhouses, you know, their respective time when they came out. Is this, how hampered is this by VR? Is that Lovecraftian... You know motif used to sell me a world that otherwise isn't photorealistic or
1: yeah i mean it it is certainly dealing with the limitations of having to be at ninety frames per second on two screens, so you know you are definitely not going to be able to compare this to uncharted four uh or you know last of us it from a from a detail standpoint it it completely falls short of that by necessity, you know because we just don't have that kind of hardware yet to run. You know, those games don't even run at 90 frames per second, let alone on two screens, right? So, uh, and, and, you know, honestly, when you compare it to those games overall, the game doesn't have as much polish. Um, And I think that's where we are right now with VR games. I think that the games that are coming out right now have been in in the oven a little less time than certainly an Uncharted or a Last of Us has. Um, So I, I think that's a little more, it's understandable. And the game is only four hours long. I, I finished huh. the game in four hours, so it's it's short. Um, but it it is honestly one of the most thrilling experiences I've ever had. For all those faults, I will say there there are more holy sh moments in this game than almost any other game, and a lot of that comes from the fact that I'm in that world.
0: Can I? Uh, oh, I am sorry. I'm going to put you in a seat of your pants moment first. How hard is top five fave games of the year going to be this year? So so hard. so hard. Two, seat of the pants right now. This can change later. End of the year, it can change. More. Your favorite game right now between this or Uncharted 4, which one would you put ahead of the other?
1: Oh, Uncharted 4 is a better game in almost every respect. Uh, but but that doesn't mean this is not well worth playing and totally thrilling and and, a, and proof of concept that... VR is a game changer for these kinds of games.
0: Yeah, I wasn't sure. From where you, how you were describing it, I could see you know Uncharted 4 being the better game, but this game being in VR almost makes it better. It makes me
1: crave an Uncharted in VR, you know, or a, 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 a um, Tomb Raider in VR. It's, the thing that this game gets that I think I haven't really talked about yet with regard to VR is how thrilling it is to see things up close. Because, you know, with VR, you're in a place, and you're looking around, and it's cool to look up and look down and look all around you and feel like you're in there, feel that presence. And it's also really cool to see gigantic environments that are different than the environment you're in. You know, uh, in this game, you're in these, you know, massive sea, or excuse me, sea, ice caves. You know, you're in these giant ice caves, or you're in these wild environments. That is, that's thrilling. But in any, you know, in lots of other games, you've been in those crazy environments. And yeah, now you're inside them, and that's neat. But in other games, when I come up close to something, yeah. I'm still my character is up close to that thing. And maybe it's large on my screen, but it's still on my screen. In VR, when you come up close to something, it's right there in your face. It's super close to you. And this game does so many really cool moments like that. Like there are these... There are these plants that you come across, these sort of alien uh, bushes, that if you get close to them, they'll start ticking, and then they'll sh- spikes will shoot out of them.
0: Uh, sounds like a booby-trapped zomb- uh, mummy, if I've ever heard of one.
1: Exactly. And you often are using those to kill things. Like you'll throw a rock at that thing when an enemy is next to it, and it'll skewer the enemy instead of you, and it's, which oh, is a lot cool. of fun. Really cool. Um, but you know, when you're up close to those things and the spikes shoot out or you're climbing on an ice wall and there's one sticking out of the wall and, and, it, and you're climbing right below it and the spikes shoot out just inches from your face, it's really inches from your face. It's like sticking out in 3d and you can look all around it and move your head and look on other sides of things. Or when you, you know, there's these cool moments when you, um, you find uh, journal entries, you know, that's a common thing in video games. It's kind of a save point. You get to a journal that you find on the ground of this, of this, expedition that was there ahead of you and when you find that it's sort of it's like uh in tomb raider when Lara makes camp right it like zooms in on her in camp but here like it zooms in on your dude and you're like right next to him and you can lean in and look at the detail in his face and his his jacket is like fluttering in the cold and you look down at the at the journal he's looking at and sometimes he's he's found like a mangled corpse there and you can you know lean in and look at all the detail of the corpse and it's it's amazing. It's amazing.
0: I think, um, what I'm going to come, I haven't come over and played with your Oculus yet. It sounds like that is overdue. <laughs>
1: yeah, you need to, you need to.
0: Um, also, I feel like, who was I, uh, I don't think it was on this show, so I'll say it again if it was, sorry. I think Insomniac is one of the most exciting developers in the business right now, because, I love Naughty Dog. They make some of my favorite games of all time, and I will keep buying their games. Um, Blizzard, also fairly exciting in terms of you kind of don't know what they're going to do. They make some great games. But Insomniac, I mean, they are taking chances. They're not just doing sequel after sequel after sequel. They revisited Ratchet & Clank this year, and it was incredible. And then they're creating, oh, well, what's their um, the little space 2D uh, or underwater?
1: See, a Song of, uh, song of, the, song of, the... Song of the Deep.
0: Song of the Deep, which is like a Metroidvania, and it it looks beautiful and incredible. And now they have a very fully realized third-person Uncharted-esque VR game, and it sounds incredible. And, like, I just want to tip of the hat to the people over at Insomniac Studios for chasing passions and, and, you know, doing all this crazy different stuff because you describe any other studio, it's like, what do they make? Oh, well, they're the, you know, whatever studio.
1: Destiny team or the, yeah, yeah, whatever.
0: Yeah, and these guys at Insomniac... I don't. I think they're literally insomniacs. It is crazy what they're what they're cranking they're out right now. More
1: games now than they ever have. Like they've already got three more games coming out this year, I think, or something crazy like that. Yeah, um, that's insane. But I want to say two more things about this game, just sure. sure. it really deserves to be played. And again, it visually it's not going to hold up to something like Uncharted. It's only four hours long, so that's something you have to keep. But it's what a, what a four hours. And here's the two other things I want to say. First of all. There are these moments in this game where your character will grab onto a rope or sometimes not a rope. I won't spoil anything, but something different than a rope and slide (laughs) down that rope to go deeper into a cavern. Okay. (laughs) When that happens, you are on that ride with that character sliding down deeper and deeper, and it is one of the most thrilling things I've ever done in a video game. Just taking that ride with that character in virtual reality, spinning my head around, looking up, looking down, trying to see all the stuff as it zooms by me as I take this ride, as my character is huge in the foreground. It's amazing. And there are plenty of, like, Oh my god moments when a, you know a giant creature will attack you or something unexpected will happen or you'll get terrified cuz a monster pops out where you didn't expect one all of that in VR is like you know an order of magnitude more impressive than it is on a 2D screen
0: yeah i feel like this game could almost do um maybe it does but i feel like in vr you could almost have a double jump scare right where you're playing a game and you're navigating your character through this world and then the the character gets a jump scare which then also gives you the player a jump scare but i'm imagining like you come around a corner and then there's like a a you know a horrible enemy waiting for you and you're like oh crap and then your reaction is the developer knows that you're probably going to turn your head to this jump scare and then as you turn your head there's another thing like a spider hanging off the ceiling that you see cuz you're the vr camera and that's a personal jump scare um, it could go very deep. And I think I'd be throwing my $600 headset off <laughs> <laughs> we are really
1: at the, just the tip of the iceberg of what people are going to do with this. People are, they're going to find incredible ways to, to deliver those kinds of moments in VR because it's a new, completely new way to experience it. Um, but the, but the second thing I want to say real quick, and I know we're talking about VR a lot, but we're going to on this show. That's what you're in for. I love VR and i gonna be playing a lot of it every week.
0: Um, my only complaint is that no one sent a bumper. I, I love know. the talk. I just want to VR I was surprised.
1: But there's a lot of people, I'll be honest, in our subreddit that um said, Hey, more VR talk is good. So Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Anyway, so okay, so the other thing I want to say about this, this game takes place like ninety percent in uh in the snowy crazy and but you go into these crazy caves and there's wild it changes wildly. And this is you know, this and Uncharted and Tomb Raider. In a lot of ways, I describe these as the, oh, the places you'll go games, you know? It's all about, like, where's the next incredible place that I'll go? And Uncharted, it's like, oh, my God, I got to go to that island? That's awesome, or whatever. Uh, And in VR, an, oh, the places you'll go game is even more impressive because of the places that you feel like you actually are. But in this game, there's, like, and no spoiler, but there's 10% of the game where you are somewhere completely different than that. And it makes me so excited for what we're going to get. It's like it's just a quick moment, but it's like, oh, my God, a a, an Assassin's Creed in this kind of a in in VR or, uh, you know, a a crackdown or something like in VR where you can look all around you and you're in a uh, or a Batman. Dude, a freaking Batman in VR.
0: Well, Well, also, like an Assassin's Creed. Um, was the amicus like imagine you put the thing on and you lay down and it presents you, you know, doing the thing and you lay down and it's like you, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then it, they can just shift that, they can just womp the world away. Yeah. Um, who was doing that last year? Is that Oculus i was doing that last year at their E3 demo where you're like, you're in a regular world? And then they were like, just kidding. And then the beat dropped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, dude it's gonna so be, rad. it's gonna be, did you, um, Did you find that playing this seated, like, were you reacting and I just flinched and like jumping away? Like, did you bang your desk? Is there that like disconnect where you have to like sit, you know, four feet away from your, (laughs) from your computer?
1: Not so much. I mean, I was definitely looking all around me and I was exclaiming, you know, as I saw things and I was staring and (laughs) I was staring up at the, at the ceiling at at points. And I mean, it's, it's, it's an amazing experience, but yeah, I never felt unsafe or anything.
0: Yeah i mean i feel like i'm i'm a jumper <laughs> so yeah. i just like even in you know on my tv i'm a jumper so i wonder it's well, like it's,
1: there aren't that many jump scares in this game it's more like you walk into a room and you see four enemies and like oh crap how am i gonna get by them and oh he's right next to me he's right now. he sees me oh i'm dead you know it's like it's it's that kind of thing it's like oh yeah. <laughs> um cool there's we're running real long but I, I you know i have so many other things i've been playing uh, including more VR stuff on on the Vive I, I there's this demo out. It's free. It's called Waltz of the Wizard. Christian, you have to come over. You have to come over. I want to show you my Oculus stuff and I'm gonna show you Waltz of the Waltz of the Wizard is you're in a room and you get to be <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm at your house. Oh cool. Yeah. Good 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 sound effects. <laughs> Thank um, you. I'm glad I clearly <laughs> conveyed. <laughs> the Waltz of the wizard thing, I, I won't even go into it because Whatever, but it, everybody needs. If you have a Vive, it's so incredible. It's like a photorealistic room that you're in that has a table in front of you, and there's different spells, and you and you have like a, this cauldron, and you've got ingredients, and whatever, however you mix the ingredients, certain spells get created, and you so you're figuring it out by mixing the spells, and then you get that that spell, and then you can use that spell in the room and levitate things, or transmogrify things, or become a giant, or it's like. Or teleport yourself to a, go through a portal. Ugh, dude, dude, it's,
0: anyway. Well, we can we can talk about it more in depth next
1: week. Yeah, right. There's nothing to talk about next <laughs> uh, week. I do need to talk about Witcher 3 Blood and Wine uh, just, just briefly because um, it's a major release. This is, they call it an expansion to Witcher 3, and it is. I mean, it takes place at the end of the game, but... It's a completely new game. This is a 20-hour massive expansion with an entirely new uh, continent to explore, hundreds of new quests, and and you know, as much as I love The Witcher, it was such a um such a dour kind of depressing environment like that you're constantly finding, you know, corpses hanging from trees,
0: dead dead babies. Yeah. Several missions about dead babies.
1: Well, this has still (laughs) got that Witcher three, you know, horror uh, fantasy aspect to it. It's still, still the monsters are still disturbing, but you're in which is what is basically like Tuscany in Italy. It's just gorgeous, dude. You're in these villas, and it's everything is bright and beautiful, and vegetation is is lush, and it just. What a wonderful idea for them to were to take this character in this series. And it's a massive, this is a full game. This could be an entire role-playing game release. It is huge. Anyway. Uh what
0: are you playing it on again?
1: PC. Okay. And it's yeah. dude, this it, is now now I'm able to play it on the ultra settings because of the PC I currently have. Whew. Whew. I'm telling how you. much is how
0: much is the expansion? Is it only season pass or could you buy? Do you know like pricing and stuff like that? Theory. If people are thinking about it, I
1: could be wrong about that. Maybe it's twenty. Uh, I could be wrong. I can't.
0: And remember. And how much was the? Uh, well, gosh, the Insomniac VR game?
1: I don't know. I don't remember. Edge of
0: Edge of Nowhere. Okay, I'm just curious because like that's where it, it's like this weird thing where so much of this stuff is digital only, yeah. and like what are the value propositions? And I know that you're kind of just into VR for the experiences also, but it's like. You know, hard-earned dollars do you buy this Witcher expansion, or if you have VR, you want the VR experiences, so you'll maybe you'll buy the VR game because you want to justify that purchase right now. But maybe Blood and Wine is the way to go. Um, yeah, it's it's
1: interesting. I mean, if you're a fan of the Witcher, Blood and Wine is is epic, and I think a huge bar. It's a massive. I mean, it could be it could be its own game. It's a huge, huge thing. It's it's great. Do you think we'll see boxed VR games? Uh, I doubt it. Uh, well, maybe like Sony I don't know. VR, maybe for, for or, PlayStation VR, probably. But I think that Oculus and, um, you know, and the Vive, they, they both want, they both have their own storefronts, right. And they kind of want to create that digital storefront experience. And I think the Oculus storefront is actually really good.
0: That's interesting. I don't know why I just thought of that, but it's like, you know, I, you can buy PC games at Best Buy or whatever, and it's just a steam code, yeah. but you know, I wonder as VR is now Oculus is at best, you know, some best buys, if they'll start having that presence, cause you want to buy the thing and do they want to sell you the game too? So you buy a box copy of edge of nowhere and, and it is just a download code, or if this is the thing that finally takes us to that digital only storefront.
1: It might be, it might be. I mean, it, it, yeah. And I, I find that experience to be really, um, friction free. It's nice. It's a nice experience. Um, let me. Ju- we, you know, we're not going to do a tabletop time this segment this week or next week for that matter with E3. So it's going to take a, a brief hiatus. Uh, but we do have a couple of emails to talk about. I need to thank our sponsor Linode. Uh, Linode is a hosting company offering high-performance Linux servers for all your infrastructure needs. Linode has it all: lightning quick servers in the cloud, super fast 40 gps network automated backups, node balancers, managed services, guides with step-by-step instructions, a simple but powerful control panel, 99.9% uptime, 24-7 support experts, and all the tools you need to get the job done right the first time. And it all starts at only 10 bucks a month. Over 400,000 customers trust the Linode platform, including 5x5. 5x5's infrastructure is happily hosted on Linode, and getting starting started is easy. Just pick a plan, Choose your favorite Linux distro and pick from one of eight data centers in America, Europe, and Asia. Visit linode.com slash 5x5 today to support the show and use promo code 5x5 for a $10 credit. Linode, L I N O D E.com slash 5x5. Simple, powerful, reliable. Um, Lots of comments last week uh, telling me how wrong I was about snipers in video games, Christian. Yeah, you're getting shot from across the courtyard. I didn't even see yeah, it coming. I didn't see that coming at all. Uh, actually, I did see it coming. I knew, I knew it was uh, <laughs> going, not going to be a popular um, you know, perspective, and I guess I'm alone on that. And people made very, very good points, um, I had tons of emails, and basically they all laid out how fun it is to be a sniper and how much the sniper forces uh, you know, more dynamic play uh, on the, uh, you know, in a match in a, on a map. And I appreciate that. You know, we got a lot of really cool emails. I I won't go into any of them, but thank you all for sending them. You can always send emails to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. I will read this email. Uh, This is from Bakath. Bakath writes, Love the show, but I just want to put my two cents in on this whole console upgrade next-gen system mess that we are in. I am a gamer who enjoys PC and consoles, I've had them all throughout the years, but this last gen was such a kick in the face, I might back away from consoles going forward. Your talk of the consoles and the push to upgrade them to support VR is nice, but I do not think that is the main reason. I think both companies thought they could give you a taste of updated graphics, and the console-only players would be in heaven. Oops! For the first time in history, this generation of systems came out two years behind where the PC was in power, and in the past console years... They were on par or faster than current PC tech. I think they gambled and lost. And how can you put out a next-gen system that can't handle playing games in 1080p in this day and age? It's just silly. Even though by the time the Xbox comes out at 6 teraflops, the PC will be someplace around 12 with the high-end video cards. The talk of these systems doing 4K is crazy. They would need much more power power for AAA games but I'll give them some sweet 4K arca- arcade style uh, or platform games. These updated versions are what they should have been to begin with and not a catch-up device. I'm glad to see them fixing the mistakes, but still a bit depressed for all who already bought in. What do you think about that, Christian?
0: I think there's a lot right there and I agree with almost all of it, but then I play Uncharted 4 and I'm like, this is, this is beautiful. And it, it, it stinks because the PC is clearly more powerful and has been for a long time, but the consoles have been the, you know, the sales leader. So, you know, Overwatch on console looks great. It looks beautiful. I'm playing on PC because I felt like that's where most of the support would come first and the community would be bigger. But, you know, I'm, I'm hard pressed to think of a game currently, um, that, that is, you're getting a, I wouldn't recommend playing on, on consoles that, I would recommend playing on PC. Unfortunately, I think this generation, there's been examples of it going the other way where like Arkham Knight, Batman Arkham Knight is still, from what I understand, garbage on PC because yeah. it's not optimized. Right. So I, I understand the frustration because the PC should be able to crush it and do so much more. Maybe Just Cause 3. Maybe that's my example that <laughs> the console versions of that just never worked. Um, where are you on this? Do, are you you know ha, Are you pro this upgrade or are you just like, Unlock the power of PC.
1: Well, I'm excited for the upgrade because of two things that I've sort of uh, bought into already, which is 4K and VR. And I understand that for a lot of people this is going to be very frustrating, and for me it's frustrating too. Like I don't want to replace my Xbox One or my PS4. Uh, I'm I'm excited because of what potential functionality they can bring to the table and. I'm all you know. I'm newest, latest, best guy, right? I want the Ferrari of game consoles. I want. I want to be playing on on the absolute best. And the idea of something that's double or four times the power of an Xbox One right now is the next Xbox. Yeah, I, I'm excited for that. And if it took until now to get that kind of uh, console, I think we would all be like, "What is going on? Are we still playing on our Xbox 360? This <laughs> is in 2016. This is insane." So. It's a weird thing. You know, maybe they – maybe as Bakath said, this was a, you know, a a poor strategy on their part to try to create something that was not the bleeding edge of tech when it came out. Uh, And maybe they were concerned about different kinds of things. I mean clearly the Xbox was concerned about being more of a media hub I think than anything else and it reserved a portion of the power inside the box for that and maybe that was a, a mistake. Um, hindsight is twenty twenty on that, but, um, you know, I like the idea as somebody that's pushing hard for VR to catch on. I like the idea that we're going to have VR capable boxes in your house. I hope these things do well. And I think that having console manufacturers, creating VR, having console manufacturers, having more powerful systems is just going to make for cooler games. And ultimately that's what I'm hoping for, you know?
0: Yeah, I think Stephen A. Rivers says something interesting in the chat. The PC is going to be cheaper to upgrade every two years. I mean, at the cost of these new NVIDIA chips, and of course there's a bigger cost of entry. You have your motherboard and everything else. But yeah, it's like an you know, what is the Scorpio gonna be? Five hundred, six hundred bucks, or I can get a ten seventy for three hundred? That's it's it's gonna be interesting to see that Because yeah. before the cost of upgrading a PC every I mean a console every five to 10 years seemed like the cheaper way to do it. But now if you're arguing that games are also cheaper on PC and once you get past that, you build your X 86 rig, just buying a new graphics card at $200. That's going to be crazy.
1: Well, one of my frustrations right now with VR, both on the Oculus and the Vive is that I haven't found very many, almost none of the experiences so far have any kind of settings like any kind of graphics tweaking that I can do in the game. Yeah. And as a PC player and as a guy who has a system, uh, you know, a, a PC rig that's on the upper end of that VR spectrum, I want—I was hoping that I'd be able to move some sliders and like, you know, up the visual fidelity. But I think they're so worried about maintaining that that frame rate and not making people sick that they, at this point, are mostly keeping the power out of the hands of the users, yeah. and I think that when you have a console that's built for this stuff, and they can exactly know exactly you know what the the power specs that they're aiming at are, I think you're going to get much more interesting VR experiences. Because right now, I think most of them are being very conservative as far as what they're pushing graphically. I mean, even Edge of Nowhere, I think, could be like if it was just on my system, I think it would look better than it is now because it's it's made for a whole spectrum of of specs that you know are trying to have a low end that is still viable and still has a good frame rate yeah
0: yeah it's uh it's
1: tough they're figuring it out (laughs) yeah yeah it's 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 interesting it's but it's an exciting time as well, and um, you know, I'm very interested to see the messaging come next week about how these new consoles are coming, are you know, being put out into the marketplace because that is going to be a real interesting tightrope walk for, for both Sony and Microsoft.
0: 100% yes.
1: All right, well, let's uh, wrap this up. I mean, I could talk for hours. I'm just so excited about E3. I have a jam-packed schedule. Uh, I'll be hosting live stuff for GameSpot and for uh, CNET, so keep an eye out on my uh, Twitter feed for that stuff. Um, I'm, I'm really so thrilled. And Christian and I, like I said, we're going to be doing an extra episode that week. we got some really fun guests. Uh, ben Silverman is going to be back that following Monday. He was yes. Our, yeah, he was our guest last year for our E3 wrap-up show. I thought it would be fun to make that a tradition. Ben is so knowledgeable. He works for Yahoo Games and a uh, really great guy. So uh, we're excited to have him returning for that wrap-up episode. Um, I hope you guys are going to be uh, you know glued to E3 coverage like I am because I think it's going to be so much fun. I'm really, really excited this year yeah he's great uh all right oh
0: um, sorry what's that can i ask a quick question to the audience I think I can do it. If I'm able to do it, would people want to, well, you can let me know. I think I'm going to look into seeing if I could stream the conferences while you could sit here and look at my face and my eye rolls or whatever. I don't know if that's too much pressure on me, but if there's enough of a demand, and let's be honest, it doesn't take enough. Like 10 people, (laughs) uh, you know, stream the conferences through my Twitch as well and do that. Um, Watch along with me. It's anyway, something I'm thinking about. So, um you know, if you really want me to do it, I'll try really hard. And if not, maybe I won't. No promises, but um, that's what I'm. Well, that's what I'm, I'm thinking because be, I will not be there live. I'm going
1: to be. Uh, I'm going to be in in attendance at every one of the press conferences except for the PC one. I'm not going to the PC one, but, <laughs> <laughs> which is odd, right, for me. But that's the case. Um, but I will be at at all of them. I will be live tweeting as I do every year. Um, so hopefully, you, you guys will be following me at Jeff Canada. Hopefully hopefully sorry i didn't
0: mean yeah at jeff canada hopefully live tweeting i feel like half the time the people in the presentations their tweets are like five minutes
1: after everyone at home well, oftentimes the reception in those in those auditoriums is not stellar so uh yeah but i you know every year i do that and it's always a lot of fun so maybe you can be commenting on my tweets on your live stream as well. <laughs> um yeah it'll be it'll be a good time um so hang out with us and uh, and get amped, Christian. What else we got? You know we don't have a parting gift coming up, so stick around for that. And and I have bonus content, really cool interview uh, with Rue Virasurier? Oh man, it's such a hard name to pronounce, and I know I didn't do it well. Uh, but he is uh, Ready at Dawn's uh, CEO and co-founder. He's. Um, Such an interesting guy. Really, really cool interview I had with them. And they just announced a new game uh, called Deformed. We talk about that as well. So stick around for that. But Christian, uh, where can people keep up with your stuff this week?
0: Yeah. So Twitter is always the easiest way to get in touch with me. It is at Spicer. Um, I've been streaming more regularly, which is at my Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. All the stuff is also archived at my YouTube, which is Christian Spicer 713. You can also find the marriages um, sketches there. And then this Thursday... Um, I will be over on the Jash twitch channel. Jash was the sort as like a YouTube channel kind of a creative grouping of like Reggie Watts, Sarah Silverman um doing fun crazy comedic things that maybe didn't fit on t v and they uh have a really fun d and d show on um Thursdays. It's gonna be on their twitch channel, which is Jash play. I will be one of the guests i would it's like a three hour you know kind of scaled down custom leaning towards comedic run of um, D&D 5th edition. So I'll be playing that. And then I'll probably do a recap of it on this show uh, for Tabletop Time after E3 week when we can (laughs) talk Tabletop tabletop Time again. And then Friday, if you're in LA, I'll be doing a cool show at UCB Sunset called Tell All Your Friends and its stories and and bits about um, the late 90s, early aught. Punk rock scene, pop punk scene. I'm trying to get Newfound Glory to come and be my special guest. They have not replied yet, but my story is about uh, a very memorable time I was hanging out with them <laughs> back in Houston. And then I will be in San Diego June 17th through 18th. So I will uh, finish covering E3 and then drive down to San Diego and I'll be at the Madhouse Comedy Club June 17th and
1: 18th. I hope you'd title that uh, What's My Story, Newfound Glory?
0: Ooh, that's, that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty
1: good. Um, yes. Uh, I, (laughs) I'm very excited. Uh, yes, you should definitely go see, uh, the, um, go click on over on to, uh, Christian's YouTube channel and see the marriage is, uh, episodes that we did together. I'm so pleased that so many people have had nice things to say about those and say they're very spot on and funny. Christian wrote some excellent sketches. So check those out. Um, and uh, I got other shows for you to watch. We have concerns at We Have The slash wait film- the mm-hmm.
0: award nominated We Have Concerns?
1: That's right. Podcast Award nominated. Uh, we
0: have yeah. Concerns,
1: yeah. Um and yeah, we're very pleased by that. And um the slash filmcast, slash filmcast.com. We're talking what are we talking about this week? Um, a pop star never stop, never stopping, I think is the movie we're doing this week. And, uh, and then, uh, the tomorrow daily over on the CNET is always a good time. Um, I think that's all. I, I do want to thank Max Scoville for being with us. Um, yes. sorry, he had to cut out early and apologize for the technical issues. We still, uh, are dealing with uh, week after week. Christian is a trooper and, and dealing with all these crazy technical issues, but we're, you know, we've been trying to handle this all on our own and it's, uh, you know, it's been a bit of a bumpy ride, but we appreciate you guys sticking with us. Uh, but, Christian, shall we get to that parting gift? Let's do it. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift.
3: This is your parting
1: gift. All right, what is your parting gift this week to get people through their week?
0: Um, so... Two. Two quick ones. One is season one. Season two just started. Season one is currently on Netflix. If you have a Netflix subscription, MTV did a series version of Scream. You might remember the Scream horror movies. And um, the show, it, it's like that perfect mix of the genre I love of like teen solve serious crimes because ugh, adults are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> where it's just like, what are you doing? Um, but it's it very much, if I were still in high school, like I would have watched this. It would have been, you know, Dawson's Creek, Scream, and then Buffy. Like, it's just like teens talking too intelligently and too quickly over one another. Um, but really, it it's a reimagining of the series. It is not a continuation from the movies at all. To say it's good would be overstating it, but it is, it is fun. Give it a watch. Season two just started it too, is is fun and dumb as well. Um, and then the other one, I might have it might have come from you, Jeff. I don't know where the invitation was recommended to me, um, if it was Flash Filmcast or not. But the invitation is a movie you can rent it. I, I rented it and watched it on um, via Apple TV. And everyone says don't know anything about the movie before you watch it. Just watch it. It is a thriller, and they say don't know anything else after that. I will stick by that. I will not say anything else about it other than that it is a thriller. And I enjoyed watching it. The only other thing I will add to that is maybe don't watch it as your date night with your wife <laughs> if you planned on doing other romantic things after the movie. <laughs> like our date night ended after the invitation. I take that back. Our date night ended after our 30 minute debate <laughs> after we watched the invitation. Like it was still fun, but it was different than, than how we had the rest of the night wow.
1: planned. All right. I, now, now I'm intrigued. Did you see? Have you seen no, it? No, I haven't.
0: It's, in, it's 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 a really good movie, but it's not uh, it's not t- stereotypical date t- date night.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I wanted to recommend uh, DC's Rebirth. Have you, did you read it?
0: Uh, I have like twenty pages, and I have uh, it through Comicsology. You got
1: to read it before anybody spoils it for you. Do you know what happens at the end?
0: Not at the okay. end. I, I know that it's hope. That's all I kind of know.
1: Good. Don't in terms don't, of like spoilers. Just read it as quickly as you can before someone. It has an amazing ending. Um, and, uh, it's, it's beautiful. It's a, this Jeff Johns one shot, you know, every couple of years DC needs to (laughs) reboot their, their universe. And this time they're doing it in a really unique, interesting way. Uh, and I think it, it's almost like an answer to the Snyder verse. It's, it's Jeff Johns is like injecting joy and smiles (laughs) and colors back into the world. And, uh, it's great. And man, that ending hits you like a ton of bricks. It's, it's really good. So check out that one shot. There's a bunch of books that are tied into it that are all sort of starting the, new, the heroes, you know, Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman and, and Green Ant- Lantern and Green Arrow and everybody. Um, those are mixed. I don't, I, I've read a few of the first Rebirth uh, for each of those characters, and they're all they're mixed. But that one shot, the big 80-page DC Rebirth, is so good. Okay. I highly recommend it. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. As I said, we got bonus content coming up, um, which I think is a really fun interview. Uh, But we will be back Sunday night next week, the first night of E3 press conferences. Join us then. Then again, Monday night. It's going to be a blast. We're going to be talking about all those press conferences and getting you amped. And that hype train is going to keep on rolling. In fact, Christian, let's end this episode with the hype train. And until E3 week, guys. Think about what you put out into the world, make it a better place. I'm pleased to welcome the co founder, chief creative officer, and president at Ready at Dawn, Rue Viersurier. I hope I didn't butcher that too badly. Hi, Rue. You did a good job on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm really pleased to, to talk to you. I should say right at the top that our show uh, was big fans of The Order. Uh, I thought, uh, I don't think that, show, that game got a fair shake. I really, really dug it. And so did my co-host, Christian. Uh, we were big fans of, of The Order. So uh,
3: thanks hey, for that game. Th- thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's great to hear that. you. And after all this time, uh, I absolutely love hearing that when people uh, tell me they enjoyed it. Uh, you have a new game that
1: that uh, Ready at Dawn just announced, uh, called Deformers, which is a a big change from uh, a you know single player story driven kind of big epic adventure. This is a a big departure from that. Can you tell us a little bit about what Deformers is?
3: Uh, yeah, it, it it is a big departure. It, it, well, it is and it isn't. It is, as in the I think the game as people will see it will feel very different than what we did. But in the in the soul of what the the company has done and what the studio has done for the last 13 years, it kind of fits in our in our mode of thinking. Um, Deformers is kind of something that that spawned from a, an old idea that our CTO uh, Andrea Pesino, had, uh, and uh, that evolved into into what you see today. Um, it was kind of our way to get back to the roots of what we love playing. Uh, you know, when we when we started the studio, also uh, we used to play a lot of couch co-op. We used to just have fun playing games that were just head-to-head, you know, uh, or multi like multiplayer but co-op. And uh, with that, we also injected a little bit of that new, more modern social element, which is the online gameplay, which uh, which kind of melded into this perfect kind of mix that Deformers became. And and yeah, all of this was kind of like you know, again, like what we wanted to play as games. It was driven by, again, like I said, like the idea that our CTO had had originally. It was driven by technology, uh, 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 visuals that we've done in the past, but kind of uh, changing styles. So everything was kind of, this kind of this perfect storm kind of coming together.
1: So uh, just from an overview, Deformers looks to me like a uh, uh, somebody playing with lumps of clay and <laughs> flinging them at each other almost. Um, it kind of looks reminiscent of, of, of a, like a first-person shooter mixed with Super Smash Brothers a little bit. <laughs>
3: Yeah, actually, that's good. That's a good one. Yeah, we, we've we've uh, we've had people actually refer to it uh, in a similar way. Um, it very much is the game is really about you know kind of t- trying to take the best of these kind of fast-paced, fast and frantic melee uh, uh, games and 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 bring also you know strategy into it. So the game is really built around, as you said, like you know kind of uh, inspiration from multiple games, whether it's Super Smash Brothers, whether it's uh, you know games like uh, like uh, Bomberman, g- games that basically have have kind of left a mark on all of us and, uh, and bringing all of that with a new sense of strategy because the game is really built uh, in, this, uh, in this way where players will be able to counteract anything that people, uh, that another player might do in the game and you can really choose your way to play the game. People play defensively, offensively, some people play very balanced, some people are more collectors in the game and, and try to absorb and, and consume everything on the map. Some people are more about you know, going, after the, going after people and just like taking them down. So it's it's a it's a really interesting balance actually that uh, that that's evolved through uh, through the development of the game. So you're
1: you're these uh, these kind of um, blobs uh, that can uh, absorb things and then they get larger as they do that. Is that right?
3: Yes. Yeah. You you are pretty much uh, you're this blob. Uh, you kind of resemble well. Th- right now we've shown eight characters. You resemble either uh, uh, this these mutated animals, monsters, or. Uh, more geometric forms uh, you pick one of your characters and basically what happens is that as you play the game you can absorb pretty much any remains that are left on the map that means uh, you can absorb uh, just uh, a part of the part of the world uh, objects itself you can absorb the remains of your of your enemies once they've gotten destroyed uh, and you can also absorb uh, what we call trips uh, things that are dropped into the world by either our characters or just uh, you know that are you know found all around the map and by absorbing those you become bigger and your size matters in how you play the game the bigger your size this is very much driven only by physics the whole game is driven by physics there are no animations at all in here wow uh, yeah that's actually a big big change from from what we did in the past which was very animation driven right there is not a single uh, animation actually in the game everything is emergent from the physics system
1: so you, so it's sort of uh, a little more unpredictable that way. Things are bouncing off each other and it's all, all physics-based. Exactly, exactly. And,
3: and our physics system actually allows for it. Unlike a lot of physics system, systems out there, ours is soft body and it emulates uh, the real world much better in that sense where you can, you can see forms uh, and, and shapes deform correctly, hence the word deformer and the name deformer. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically by playing these characters, you can bump into each other uh, by being bigger, of course, you will have an advantage against a smaller character, but at the same time, by being bigger, you're carrying tribs, which you might want to use to shoot people. By shooting them, you become smaller, which makes you more vulnerable. So all of this you know, is built in the strategy of the game.
1: It's really cool. And the, the look is so neat. I mean, I'm I'm old enough to remember the, the California raisins, you know, as the, the claymation you know of my of my late eighties, early nineties youth. Uh and it, this very much looks like that, that has that sort of fun claymation
3: aesthetic. Yeah, absolutely it does. And and funnily enough, this is something that evolved uh as time went on. We didn't set out at the very beginning to go, all right, this is the art style we want to do. Uh what started off as something that was, I think I wanna say a lot more uh, st- uh sterile is maybe the wrong word but it was clean and sterile and it was it was very kind of like simple shapes and all that automatically took a life of its own as the gameplay was building and the, the forms that you're talking about that, that that kind of claymation feel these characters that have so much character without any animation really evolved from the way the game played and and the emergent fact of the you know of of the gameplay
1: yeah and and the game is fast right the the wow. rounds are very very short and it's just kind of uh, it's it's quick get in get out play with your
3: friends split screen multiplayer online multiplayer. Yeah, it's a, it's fast and frantic. That's what we call it. And funnily enough, I think if you see the game on a video, <laughs> I think the first reaction a lot of people had when they saw a video, they said, "Wait, I, I I can't see myself play this game." But funnily enough, when you pick up the controller, it's unbelievable how how much control you have over that pace. The yeah. game plays in like rounds of. You can play rounds of one minute per round, two minutes per round, three minutes per round. And really it's all about something happening at every moment. There is no time for you to just like kind of wait and see. This is very much about from the moment you start and to the moment you end, you need to stick to what you know how to do with your character. And between rounds, of course, you can switch your, uh, your, your style of ga- game if you felt like, you know, for round one I lost because I didn't play too well. You know, I didn't play too well against these people. I probably should use Another tactic, the second round allows you to do that, basically.
1: That sounds really cool. Can, can you talk a little bit? I mean, you guys are a, a studio that clearly has has uh, done a wide spectrum of kinds of experiences. I mean, The Order is, and you know, you worked on the God of War franchise, The or- and those games are big, uh, the, the the idea of trying to create something that looks like the real world or looks believable to be a real thing. Uh, and our deep experiences, single-player, narrative-based experiences, and then there's this game, which is sort of the opposite of all that. Can you talk a little bit about where the industry is and where you are as a as a studio, as far as this dichotomy of of gaming experiences?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think we we uh, you know where the industry is is is, uh, is that most p- people, I think, especially as the industry has grown, people have found their niche in what you want to do, how you want to make games, what type of games you want to make, what team size you want to keep. I think that uh, a lot of studios around the industry actually have, have found that, and I think that, of course, the industry needs it as well. We kind of went against the flow from very early on. Even after our first game, we didn't do a sequel, although we had a chance to move on to a sequel after Daxter. For us, it was more of a question of what is the most exciting to us. At that particular moment, if Daxter had been more exciting, We'd have probably gone into it because we loved that first game. I mean, Daxter is our first baby. <laughs> and and God of War was the thing that just marked us. I remember that E3, going to, uh, to E3 and seeing uh, the demo of God of War, the very first demo of God of War. And we came back excited about the potential of what that could be. So the, that passion trumped what was kind of written in the cards for us. And the same thing happened afterwards. We did a first God of War. We achieved part of what we wanted to do but at the same time we wanted to do more so we kept on going we kept on we kept on working on that franchise also, and that was the only time we actually repeated a game after that again we looked at where our interests were lied, what we wanted to do what what were the barriers that we felt we needed to break through as a studio uh, but also as an industry and that's how uh, the order came about. And the same thing happened as we were, you know, going uh, all the way through the order. The VR came, came uh, you know, came up. We saw the very first iterations of Morpheus, uh, you know, while we we're at Sony and we got so excited by it that there was always this kind of like, what if we were, what if we were to do VR? And again, all those ideas are, are kind of, you know, kind of go against the flow of the industry where we almost have like this, uh, this gaming ADD, development ADD, where we <laughs> shift, shift from one thing to the other. But that's kind of who we are, also as a studio. We've built a group of people here that come from so many different places that have so many different interests. That we it would uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't be smart for us to not follow through those interests if they have legs. Deformer was a perfect example of something that had legs after only a couple of people were working on it for a few months, and realized you know what we need to put more effort into this. Mm-hmm. That's probably not the the way most uh, companies would work because I think it would be easier to go with, with what is tried and true in, uh, in in your past. But for us, that kind of shift has also shaped the way our team has has been built over the last thirteen years.
1: It sounds like something that would keep keep you guys fresh and uh, you know always vibrant and doing new things. Uh, you know, my first reaction seeing Deformers was, oh my gosh! You know, Ready at Dawn. There, there are very few studios that can pull off games of the size and scale of the order. So I'm. I wish that company was still doing that kind of thing, but hearing you talk about it, it, it seems like it came from a real place of passion.
3: Yes, it did. And I will tell you at the same time that uh, you know our passion is in AAA, and and but and and there's two definitions of AAA out there. You know, you you have the 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 way people p- uh, perceive AAA as being big budget titles. We perceive AAA as being execution and quality. Mm-hmm. So for us, whether we make a game with 20 people or 150 uh uh it doesn't really matter uh for us execution is triple a we that's what we seek at the same time i will agree with you on that one i mean like myself looking at the studio as if i look at at our studio as a as a gamer and as a a fan of what we do i want to see more of the stuff that we've done in the past as well and to that point there are things internally that actually are about pursuing our past passions uh things that we could do you know more of in the future better uh a change certain things that we've done in the past that's always part of like the way we we're going to work so you know beyond the farmers and vr that's the reason why we also have other uh, another project going on because it, it harkens more to to the, the bigger expertise that we've built over the years
1: that's cool and, I, and i'm really glad you brought up vr i i wanted to talk to you about that a little bit because i'm such a i'm such a fan of vr i have both the uh, oculus and the vive and i have uh I've been evangelizing about it for a long time, and, and I just I believe so strongly in it, and, and I, I'm so astounded by the experiences that we have already, and I, it seems clear that that's just the beginning. Uh, you guys are still working on the, the VR project that you talked about about
3: a year ago? Yes, yes, yeah, we are. It, uh, it, it kind of, again, took a life of its own and ended up by becoming bigger than what we originally expected that's extremely exciting uh, to
1: hear and i i'm sure you can't talk specifics about what it is but i'm wondering if maybe we could chat a little bit about the things that you are learning uh working in vr and and maybe describe to me some of the process of what it's like to create a vr
3: game oh absolutely i'd love to yeah i mean it's the 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 funny thing is that it's such it is such a new thing for everyone in so many ways. I think people see, I think, on the public side, on the player side, it's a new way of experiencing game. On the gaming side, it is like going back to school, basically, <laughs> as design, designing games. It's not how we have had to just completely forget some of the things we thought were, you know, kind of like cemented in, like, you know, in, in, the, in the way games need to be made. Right. And now we're completely questioning the way we are, we are moving forward
1: yeah it's it's so thrilling, even just as a player um to see new things come out and you go oh my god there's there's people that are just thinking about inventory management for example that from game to game it's like it's so crazy these new t- approaches and new takes or where you place a menu or how things are you know how the controller is mapped it's it's It feels like the wild west
3: but in an extremely exciting way absolutely i think actually that's the, the way you describe it oops sorry that's my uh my calendar going off uh, uh, um, the way you describe it actually uh, is, uh, is exactly how, how, how I would describe it as well both on the development side and outside it, it's the wild west anything goes right now right now the beauty of VR is that we shouldn't be limited What expectations uh, we, we shouldn't be limited by expectations and I think that some people want very specific VR experiences and VR games but right now we have kind of the opportunity especially early on right now to try as many things as possible and and unfortunately like you know the industry has at times done that really well at times not uh right now i would say from everything that i've seen in vr i'm excited because there seems to be this kind of mentality across the board from the publishing side and from the development side to go hey there are no rules just figure it out i mean yeah. because anything we thought was was done one should be done one way it didn't happen that way and and, this, and especially when it comes to the people who already knew VR, we—I remember very early on um, when we started on the project, there were there were kind of guidelines of the dos and don'ts of VR, and it was kind of uh, the, the best way that people could go. Hey, if you guys are going to develop, let us save you some headaches and tell you what you should and shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Guess what? A year after, uh, a year or a little bit more into it, we've already probably broken most of those rules and still made it work. That's <laughs> so neat. And that's weird. That's, that's not something normally you expect, because usually if it's, if it's defined, you should probably believe that that should be the, the, the way we, we should move, move ahead. And we've literally done things, and in our game especially, we've done things that I know day one uh, was kind of like, I think that's a bad idea. You guys should, should probably move away from it. And, and yeah, I don't think anything's a bad idea right now in VR i'm I
1: can't wait to find out
3: what you guys are working
1: on I, I find it so exciting i know um judging from from uh the order and and from deformers that you guys put a lot of of stock in visual fidelity and making games that look beautiful i mean the the order is stunning to look at right. are are you pushing up against that that wall on v r because of the you know the requirements of such a high frame rate and on dual screens
3: yeah i mean like we we are i think that we are we we always want to hold true to the things that have defined us as a studio, which is I think execution on 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 platforms is one of the big things that we've done. We've pushed platforms, even from the first iteration, really really as much as we could. We've always kind of like wanted to to do that as as to for that to be one of the pillars of why we make games. We did that on PSP. We did that even on a first game on PS4. I mean, uh, uh, a lot of people actually in the industry itself said that to us, and and were quite you know. Uh, uh, um, how would I say, uh, they, they were, they were, you know, uh, they had high praises for the work that we did on PS4 itself. For us, Oculus is the same exact thing. We couldn't do our job right if we didn't do something that actually visually was, you know, trying to push uh, the, the 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 console as far as we could. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's hard to actually talk about it without really t- giving you a lot more details. But uh, but there is there is a sense that in VR. Um, regardless of whether you go stylized or realistic, whatever you want to do, having that presence, being there in that world, being there inside that game is something that if you don't execute visually and by picking, it doesn't have to be realistic again, but by picking exactly what you want to do, by pushing it at the furthest barrier possible, you will probably lose the player very, very fast. Hmm. Because there are certain things that actually gameplay will hold you into, into a game actually for a while. But in VR, for some reason or the other, that immersion factor actually has to come from something very specific. It can either be you know like toy box when you have uh, when you have this interaction with another with another living person inside that game and, and that other person really moves like a real person right uh, unlike in another game when somebody plays an avatar. If you stick to that let make sure that that interaction is absolutely as real as possible. Make sure that 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 connection happens all throughout the game if it's visuals that is going to drive it. you have to make sure. That people feel like at any given time they can believe the world that they're in, and it's a much harder task now that uh, you know you don't have the the window that the TV is to to kind of protect you in so many ways, protect the player from what you're giving them. When you're in VR, you're inside a world that they need to believe in, and as soon as you break that, you lose a little bit of it. So it, it's it's yeah, I, I, I want to give you examples, but it's so hard to actually just uh, you know talk about this without actually giving you examples specifically about the game.
1: Well, when, when that game comes out, I, we'll, we'll have to have another conversation because I could talk to you about this for hours. I'm I'm so fascinated, and I th- I think you you talk so uh, so intelligently about it. It's it's really interesting stuff. Um, yes. But uh, let's we'll wrap up. I, I will go back to Deformers a little bit and talk about uh, the partnership with uh, GameStop because GameStop. This is only the second game that has been announced for GameStop's new uh, Game Trust publishing initiative. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the decision to be to go with that publisher?
3: Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting one because, uh, we've had a, a pretty, uh, pretty cool relationship actually with GameStop for a few years now, a very open dialogue between us and them. Uh, and, um, over, over time as deformers and other ideas actually were, were spawning inside the studio, we were always thinking about how would they best fit in the partnership that we built. do we go to a big publisher, just like we did with the order. We, it was IP that we built, but we went with, with Sony and we, we had to let go of the IP here, same thing happened. It was like, hey, we're working on these titles. Where where does it fit best? How do we basically maximize what we're trying to do? Give give it the IP a fair shake. Uh, make sure that the player ultimately gets rewarded for what we want to do. And for the farmers, it was actually pretty straightforward. We originally thought we were gonna self finance the game. We wanted to uh, publish it on our own and and just just go with go with the flow and try to figure out like how to how to get there. But as we were pondering whether to do that, this whole thing with GameStop came about. I had known Mark Stanley, who's heading the GameTrust division. Uh, I had known him for a while, for for like three, four years now. And we started a conversation. He was bouncing ideas off of uh, me uh, about what GameTrust would become. So he was trying to ask, you know, what do you, what would you expect out of a publisher? That conversation was really healthy and proved to me that they were approaching this from a very kind of sane point of view. So when we finally decided, hey, I know you're, you're exploring this. We've been working on a game for a little while. Uh, let me show you the demo. Let me show you what we're trying to do with it. Uh, but here are the kind of the, the lines in the sand. We had certain expectations of what we wanted to do with the, uh, with the game. And, you know, strangely enough, uh, every single one of their expectations kind of aligned with us. There was nothing that we wanted that they didn't. and it was such an easy conversation that I think that almost you know from the first conversation we were already on board as far as what both of us saw from uh, from uh, from the game development and, and marketing side, and it only took literally a piece of paper you know a contract ultimately to cement it but uh, but it was it was it was really that we were going to be basically solely focused on creating this IP developing this IP and doing everything we can on the creative side, and there were just going to be co- this this separate entity almost dealing with the marketing distribution and all that, but at the same time having a very open dialogue with, uh, with, on both sides. And and from day one, it's been just everything that we hoped that it would, it would be when we signed. That's great. I, I love having a publisher that, that puts so much stock in the developer
1: and really is, is hands-off from the creative side. And and uh... Yeah,
3: it's, it's, it's not an easy thing to find, but I think more and more publishers are like that. I think a lot of big publishers also are, are very much like that where they they want to you know make sure that the developer actually has full control over stuff, but of course budgets have to do a lot with it as well where bigger budgets of course there's going to be more scrutiny you know it's it's a very different game when you when, when you look at it that way. yeah at the same time, I think the game trust uh, initiative that uh, that they're pushing forward is is kind of I don't want to say long overdue in the industry, but in some ways yes it's it's been years since the other industry, entertainment industries have had uh, you know distributors basically finally become content creators. Um, and they've done an unbelievable job actually at doing it, which was, you know, uh, the, the examples are like, you know, going back to uh, uh, to Netflix doing this stuff, but even decades ago when HBO started doing like some of the best things on TV came from uh, HBO being really a movie, uh, uh, you know, channel, right. but yeah. then their own pr- products and their own productions became bigger than anything else. And I think that the, the game industry actually is, is is kind of growing into that and finally allowing for some of these distributors to basically, you know, come in and be able to make their own content. It's pretty cool.
1: I would never have guessed that GameStop would be the place that would become the <laughs> HBO of video games, but I'm all for it. You know, I love it. That's no, great.
3: I would agree with you. I don't think that that's the first thought you would have had, but uh, they're, they're, it's a, it's a they're, they're a very forward thinking company.
1: That's great. Well, I appreciate you talking to us. Uh, we don't have a, a release date for Deformers yet. Is that right?
3: Not yet, but uh, I think we should probably have something in the next few months. Uh, next coming months, we should probably be able to be to lock down a date.
1: But it is a 2016 game.
3: Uh, now, you're, now you're fishing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. Well, it looks very fun. I can't wait to get my hands on it at E3. Uh, and thanks again for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Absolutely.
0: Oh, it's me again. I know Jeff said in the episode with the E3 hype train and you were like, "Hey, wait, they did the normal music out." Well, that wasn't the end of the episode. This is the end of the episode. So here's the E3 hype train five times in a row, uninterrupted. Enjoy it.
1: E3, Chug a chug
0: a chug a Eat me, chew chew. Light drink, chew chew. Eat me, light
1: drink, chew chew. Chug a chug Eat me, chew chew.
0: Light drink, chew
1: chew. Eat me, light drink,
3: Chaka 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 Chaka.